0: You know that time of the month when you start feeling really hormonal, get really bad cramps, start growing a tail, and just have this insatiable
1: desire to tear flesh from the bone? Aww. I remember my first period, too. <laughs> the girls
0: who cried be horror Hi, everyone, and welcome to our November episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. I, as always, am Alex. And I am Anya. And today, we're talking about the iconic werewolf movie, Ginger Snaps. Yes. yes. Oof. So exciting. So much fun. I feel like it's such a perfect post-Halloween movie because, you know, there's a full moon this Halloween which i'm very very it's a blood moon isn't it it? i think it is it's honestly covid fucked up the most perfect halloween this year because it's on a saturday it's daylight savings
1: and it's a motherfucking blood moon i mean we're obviously (sighs) recording this before halloween which is why we're talking about it in the future instead of in the past tense um but but when this comes out it won't have happened but you know what we're not gonna let covid stop us we're gonna be smart we're not gonna go out and do crazy shit we're gonna stay inside but we're still gonna have fun well we when the time you hear this we will have had fulfilled fun halloweens so make no fucking (laughs) doubts about that i can't wait for halloween but i figured you
0: know a good old werewolf movie seemed like the correct next
1: step for us since yeah i mean we haven't done one so far i know it's true i mean i mean we had to do Ginger Snaps after, you know, if our true fans out there who listen to us all the time, love you, um, from our Josh Rubin episode, obviously we talked about werewolves in that, um, talked about Bad Moon, but he also made note that he hadn't seen Ginger Snaps. So Josh, if you're listening for any reason, um, this is your your time to go watch Ginger Snaps because it's streaming a bunch of places. Um, it's streaming on Shudder. Yep, that's how I watched it. But if you do not have Shudder, okay, fine. Um, If you have Roku, it's on the Roku channel available with ads. It's on Vudu with ads. It's on Tubi with ads. It's on Crackle with ads. And it's on this site that I'm not familiar with called FilmRise Oh, yeah, I know FilmRise. Um, That's cool. I didn't
0: realize it was on so many places. That's perfect.
1: Yeah, so it's, like, heavily available for you guys to watch. And, you know, if you're someone that's like, but I don't like ads, then get Shudder. Like, what do you want me to say? Right. Amazing, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. This is one that, ugh, I've I've known for many a year. It's interesting too because I had only watched Ginger Snaps for the first time
0: probably within the last year, but it's always been one that I've been aware of and I've known about. But it just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it always didn't it it never really like drew my attention. It seemed like something that was going to be incredibly cheesy and I wasn't going to really like. Um, and I'm wrong,
1: so. Well, I think for me growing up is, you know, there's oh, there's always been a bunch of werewolf movies, but mm-hmm. I feel like there aren't a lot of mainstream werewolf movies, you know? Like, there's your basic, like, American werewolf in London. Not to say that movie is basic, but, like, the one that everyone knows. Right. And, like, maybe, like, The Howling. Maybe even Silver Bullet, just because it's a Stephen King and you got, you know, mm-hmm. fucking Gary Busey in there acting like a crackhead. <laughs> fucking, you know, being Gary Busey. Um, but I feel like growing up, with my journey with horror, it was like, well, there's endless vampire content. Like, there just is. And especially because, like, when I was growing up, was a huge vampire boom Mm -hmm. with, you know, Vampire Diaries, Twilight, shit of that nature. Oh, yeah. Um, Which I was not above, so please don't, I hope no one thinks I'm saying that because I fucked heavily with both. Um, But I was like, I love werewolf movies and there's not enough good werewolf movies and I'm gonna make a great werewolf movie someday, which I still intend to do. Um, But, so when I heard about Ginger Snaps, I was like, oh, this another werewolf movie, and oh my god, it's girl werewolves, like, I was hooked immediately. So I think just because I was on a mission growing up mm-hmm. to find werewolf content, and obviously as we've talked about, like, I definitely really enjoy werewolf movies probably more than you enjoy werewolf movies, that I, like, really? actively seek them out, um, which is I'm sure why I saw Ginger Snaps before you saw Ginger Snaps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, when I was growing up, I remember just
0: being like, Ginger Snap is a cookie, that's like, that was like my main takeaway. I was like, that name is a pun, but it's also a cookie, so I don't know what to take from
1: it. Uh. Yeah, I feel like when I saw the name Ginger Snaps, I was like, I have no fucking clue how that's going to make sense. Right. <laughs> but I'm here for the journey. Yeah.
0: Um, so I guess we should jump into some fun facts and background info.
1: Oh yeah, please tell me. I know nothing, I'm pretty
0: sure. Yeah. Well, I would like to just get out of the way now i know i said this in the last episode our main episode and we kind of we kind of did but not really we're experimenting with our structure here so instead of recapping the film to you and doing our commentary throughout we will be changing it up a little bit and kind. if you've listened to any of our minisodes i feel like it will be a more in-depth version of those um so you know just bear with us enjoy the journey we're going on it
1: with you right yeah, I mean, I think it's exactly what you said, like, kind of, as you guys know, we're we're new, we're babies, we started this podcast back in, what, April? Mm-hmm. Um, so, we kind of gave ourselves our first year to kind of, like, figure it out, you know, Continue to get better and grow as we go. So once again, we're so thankful for everyone that has like listened from the beginning or has joined us along the way, and continues to listen. But we kind of figured, you know, at the end of the day, like not only is it like very tedious for us to like sit and watch a movie and have to take extensive notes in order to like then tell you guys what the movie is, and I feel like most of the time it's like either you're gonna watch the movie so you don't need us to tell you what everything happens or. You've already seen it, so we don't need to handhold you through it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we figured it's probably going to be easier listening and easier us recording and easier all around, especially when, guys, we're going to have guests down the road, um, for them to come on and discuss with us, just to have, like, more in-depth discussions about the movie as a whole and maybe specific things about them rather than, you know, walking us through the plot. Mm -hmm. We're still, at the beginning, always going to tell you where you can watch it because we are definitely going to cover movies that we think you should probably watch. At least one of us will think you should watch. Or even if we think it sucks, maybe you should watch it just to experience the suckage along with us. Um, But yeah, it's going to be more of a discussion. But for the people that listen, because I know I have some people out there that listen, that they they get they want they want us to ease them into the movie. There are people that maybe horror is new to them or it's not really their first pick and they are scared easily. They need to like have a preface of what they're getting into. Before we get into discussion, we will be doing like truly like, you know, a quick like maybe 2-minute synopsis of like this is the story, this is what it entails. Now you can go watch the movie or decide if you want to watch it or not. So, please don't fear fans of ours that listen because they want to know what they're getting into you'll still mm-hmm. get all of that it's just not going to be you know a book report summary right. of this is everything that happens in the movie um but i think it'll be really fun i think you guys are going to be happy with the change and if you're not we don't care because we're happy with the change. <laughs> <laughs> honestly it's, it's anaconda it broke me that's the one bro like i we said it in the following episode we said it in the blob episode anaconda is the one that was the strong that broke the fucking camel's back Mm -hmm. because it was like you know we had both seen anaconda and i was like there's no going into it have you only seen it once before that i was like oh this is a bad movie right it's gonna be like a shit show but it's going to be like it cannot be that hard and the way that that was the fucking hardest movie to cover, Seriously. I don't know if it was because on top of the fact that I was like, this is a shit movie that made it so much harder. I mean, granted, I still think it was a really fun, funny episode. Um, we got We got good feedback about it, but making it was a task. And at that point, we were kind of like having discussions with each other. We were like, dude, I don't think I can... I don't know if I could do another anaconda. Like, Yeah, it was just – it was really hard to take notes
0: because it was just so complicated, even though it wasn't complicated at the same time. Um, right. And then, like, all the exhaustion of, like, getting all of it down and then having to, like, recap it. I was like, oh, my God, if I'm tired,
1: you're tired, you know? I don't know how long that episode was. I think our Killer Clowns one is easily the longest. But it's just like, you know, it was, it, it definitely rivaled it, I feel like. Yeah, it felt, um, it felt long. It was uh, outrageously long.
0: <laughs> but also we had some really, oh, I should think of that nude lipstick, man. Oh my <sighs> so god, I mean, we had some good. stuff
1: to say, but like, you know, if we could have just cut out all the in-between bullshit yeah. of, you know, it's day, it's night, it's day, it's night, they're <laughs> on the boat, they're not on the boat, then it could have been a lot smoother. Oh, if I could have but... just really
0: focused on the pussy mouth.
1: Oh yeah, we just wanted to talk about that gaping snake pussy.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, I just wanted to um, say that before we got started, just so that no one is taken aback when...
1: Or confused, you know, all of our loyal followers. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, so, doing research on this film was very interesting because I, I would say that a lot of the facts I found weren't that fun. They were kind of just, like, information Um, So Mm -hmm. I had to do some digging. Um, Ooh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I would say that none of it's, like, wild like some of the other stuff has been. But it's still very informative. It definitely is fun to know in addition to the film. You know, I think it adds stuff. I always want to know about the production. I always find it interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's go through what I found, I guess. Um, So Ginger Snaps is a 2001 Canadian film. Directed by John Fawcett and written by Karen Walton, I have not seen or you know I've not seen anything that either of them have written or directed really beyond this film. Other than they did, I think, I think it was just Karen who wrote the sequel, um, but I haven't seen the. sequel I don't think she
1: wrote the sequel. No,
0: some. Oh, one, maybe she did. One of them was involved with the sequel. I forget. I did not write it down. Um, but I looked at their filmographies. I have not seen much that they have done since. Not that. You know they have done things. I just haven't seen them. Um, mm-hmm. But originally, when this movie was being pitched, Karen Walton was asked to write the script for it, and she had no interest in it whatsoever because she was she really didn't like horror. She didn't appreciate the way that women were portrayed in horror films. She thought that they were, you know, misrepresented and you know used as kind of punching bags, basically. Which is not mm-hmm. wrong. Women in horror have been exploited. For a very long time. Um, Yeah. But John Fawcett, who was already established to be the director, reassured her that the whole point of the film is to go against those horror cliches and stereotypes and to make a feminist film. And that's what we have here. So I'm so glad that he was able to convince her and that she got on board because I think the script is excellent. And I think, I I really feel like the whole film just works so well. And... I wonder. It would have been a completely different experience if somebody else had written. And I feel like having a woman write it really gives it that like personal, female voice that is very necessary for this story. So that's a little fun fact for you about the the director writer. Um, okay. The casting process was also super difficult because. It's in kind of the same vein as what her issue was. A lot of Canadian casting directors didn't want to work on a horror film because they thought it was, you know, too gory and they were just turned off by the whole genre, which, like, frustrates me in general because, you know, anyone that dismisses horror or talks down about horror, like, that really frustrates me
1: because... It's so interesting to have... It's weird because it's, like, one... It's so interesting how that flip-flops or you know, you have people in the industry that are, like, you know, they think of horror as lesser, but there's also so many people, writer structures or whatever, that get their start in horror. Oh, yeah. And I remember when I was interning at a production company, uh, like, th- three years ago now or whatever, their whole thing was just, like, you know, horror is so easy to make. Like, it's really marketable. Mm-hmm. Like, they had made, like, a bunch, like, nothing good. Like, all, like, shit. <laughs> but, like, horror movies, because, like, they're just so easy to make, I guess, like, budget-wise. And, you know, it's easy to put, like, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy to scare people because, like, it's not. Like, at least if you're going to do it well, but like in the sense of like it's easy to just like shoot something in one location like a dark scary house and have just add in a bunch of jump scares and do it with just two actors and shit like that like we've seen that work we've seen that not work but it's so interesting to have it go on both ways where it's like you know all you guys shit on horror but horror is your like stepping stone to get you where you want to be i mean even if you think about ari aster like i don't think ari aster shits on horror at all but ari aster has said like you know he wanted to write a familial drama but he knows he knew that like just writing a familial drama like there was a good chance it wouldn't get made or whatever but horror is so marketable Hmm. to a huge extent where it's like well if you take a familial drama and then make it a horror film on top of that you still get to tell your familial drama story within the comics of a horror movie and that's what we have with hereditary which you know i'm so thankful that we have because i love hereditary um But yeah, it's interesting. And also for, like, the casting directors themselves to Mm -hmm. be like, we don't like horror. It's like, you're not doing the acting. You're you're not going to be the one covered in blood. Right. And also, on top of that, so many actors have gotten their start in horror films. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like... Like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Mm -hmm. fucking Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Mm -hmm. Street. Kevin Bacon. Like, yes! It's just like... uh, It's not less... And, like, it's iconic now when you look back at people like Kevin Bacon or Johnny Depp to be like, oh my god, like... Yeah. Jennifer is like an iconic leopard Yeah. Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt and cutting God. class. It's huh. just like and it's uh it's a treat to find that. Really, oh, I love um, it so much.
0: But I think what you're saying also, it's it's so true with like horror is the most marketable genre, and I really think that's just because the horror community is the most, you know, committed and like incredible community of any kind of genre because Horror fans will see anything. Horror fans... We're so loyal. We're so loyal. So loyal. Because I will watch any horror movie that comes out. Even if I know it's going to be absolute fucking garbage. I'm not going to watch a comedy that I know is going to be garbage. I'm not going to watch a musical or an animated film that I know is going to be garbage. But I will watch any horror movie because I'm fucking loyal. And I love the genre. And, you know, anything that you make, we're going to go out and support you for. So I think that is a huge reason why so many horror movies are able to get made because they know that there's a built-in audience that's going to support it no matter what.
1: Well, it's so true because mm-hmm. it's like I think of like and I like love a bunch of genres. Is horror my favorite absolutely no fucking contest. But like, <clears throat> excuse me. I even think about comedies where like I love comedies. Um my my fucking minor at Clown College was <laughs> comedy writing performance and that's not a joke I wish it fucking was. The Clown College um, part was a joke. <laughs> clown College was also not a fucking joke. I spent so much money to be a fucking buffoon out here that's true Um, but you met me so it works out oh that's very true but um if I watched a comedy movie right like or if I heard like this movie is fucking unbearable it's so not fucking funny or like oh there's only one joke in it that's funny I wouldn't why would I waste time on that Mm -hmm. but if someone told me like this horror movie it's not great it's kind of like shit or whatever but there's this incredible kill you know Mm -hmm. an hour in am I going to go sit through that movie? You fucking bet your ass I'm going to sit through that movie. Mm-hmm. And that's because, yeah, being a loyal horror fan, like, you just want to be so immersed in the genre. You want to be able to discuss everything and, like, compare everything. And there might be something as a horror fan that you can find, even if it's only one scene or one moment in the film that's salvage. can't, excuse me, I can't speak, salvageable. Mm-hmm. But also the speaking, at least from my experience, as someone that, like, would eventually like to, like, make movies or write movies or whatever and, like, tell stories and maybe some of those stories being horror. Like, you just want the a vast amount of knowledge like you can never get enough so I want to see what works what doesn't work like I just like fucking live and breathe this shit mm-hmm. I think we both do yeah so and I think a lot of horror fans do and horror fanatics and horror heads or whatever the fuck you want to call them um that yeah we're loyal it doesn't mean that you know I'm gonna love everything mm-hmm. no I'll still give shit to a movie that I think isn't good or is whatever Am I still going to give it the chance of at least watching it? Yes. Yeah, I agree. So, So, yeah. Anyway. The the (laughs) casting directors did
0: not want to work on it. They had a hard time finding somebody. And in addition to the fact that it was, you know, just kind of a personal feeling of, I don't like this gore. It turns me off. I'm not into it. This was also around the same time as Columbine. So there was a lot of sensitivity around violence and, Mm. you know, just aggressive behavior And so I'm sure that also added to it of why they didn't want to portray something that was going to be really violent, especially amongst students. Um, So it made sense. But due to that, it took them six months to be able to cast this film. And ironically, the two leads, Catherine Elizabeth, not my Elizabeth, Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins auditioned on the exact same day. So they spent six months auditioning people and then found both their leads on the same day. Very
1: interesting. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. well, yeah, and I mean, it's so funny that those are the two that got it because I always think of them from um, another Cinderella story in Mm -hmm. which they also play sisters. They're like the shitty stepsisters, Um, but they're also like horror queens in their own right. I mean, you know, you have Catherine Isabel who did this Freddy versus Jason, American Mary, the fucking that one Carrie movie that no one has seen. Yeah, and she was in disturbing behavior. She was in Bones. Yeah, she's in um, Hannibal. She's so good on Hannibal. I love it. That show should never have been canceled. I say it. Um, and obviously the other Ginger Snaps movies, and then you have Emily Perkins, mm-hmm. who was in the original It miniseries. Yep, she played Bev. Um, the other Ginger Snaps movies. Um, she played a role in Supernatural. Mm-hmm. They um, both played roles in Supernatural, she... actually. Well, I'm trying to remember what Catherine is about. I don't know what the what the specific episode was, but. I, I know Emily Perkins plays, like, the super fan that's, like, in love with Sam. Oh,
0: yeah. That's me.
1: <laughs> um, Jared Padalecki. His name has been uttered. You can check it off your fucking bingo card. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Wow. But yeah.
0: it's It is funny. In addition to, like, the fact that they have done many, many things in the coming years past this film, they also knew each other for a really long time before that they worked together on this. They were... Born in the same hospital, went to all of the same schools, and were represented what? by the same agent. Yeah.
1: Were they friends?
0: No, because they're like five years apart, but they knew each other like their whole lives. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's a girl. Like, I went to school with her, or like, I like, know her because she, my agent also represents her. They just, they've wow. known each other for like a super long time, and then they got to play sisters, and obviously, they continue to work together and do similar th- projects so it was just really weird that's fucking crazy it's fate honestly they're so
1: good wow yeah that's kind of like when we uh, on the blob when we realized that the two uh, Shawnee Smith and her football boyfriend Mm -hmm. had gone to prom together yeah I mean this is crazier Um, wow I love shit
0: like that me too it's so fun Um, so yeah like I said Emily um, Perkins who plays Bridget who plays the younger sister is actually four and a half years older than Catherine Isabel who played Ginger. So, Holy fuck. Yeah. I mean, like, I very much believed in the film that, like, Ginger was the older sibling because Same. Bridget is just, has such a small stature and she really, like, diminishes herself with her posture. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's four and a half years older. So, good job. Good acting. Um, and <laughs> my favorite fact, I don't know if you're gonna believe this, Anya. Oh, God. Okay. Emily Perkins wore a wig in that film yeah obviously <laughs> it's probably like so part. fucking obviously it's probably the worst wig i think i've seen oh ever. it's a bad wig it's when i was so rewatching bad. it
1: this time i was just like yeah so it's a really shitty wig. Yeah. like i, I maybe didn't notice before but i was like either this bitch's hair is fucked or that is a horrendous wig yeah it like rivals kristen stewart's wigs in twilight Oh, my fucking it's God. It's really well, because bad. because you also put her next to fucking Captain Isabel, who has this beautiful mm-hmm. hair. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. And like, then, and just then like, they give her this busted-ass fried wig, yeah, and you're like,
0: like a, oh, no. It's just, like, a dry-ass wig that she hasn't brushed. It just looks like she, like, had it in the back of her closet for, like, three months. But I
1: wonder why she had to have a wig. Like,
0: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see any explanation for it other than, yeah, it was a wig. And I'm like, yeah,
1: duh. I'm assuming. That's so – because it's not like the hair is, like, something crazy. It's not, like, a crazy color. It's not a crazy cut. Like, it's not, like, something from what I'm recalling. Drastic has to happen to her hair. Like, it's set on fire or some shit. So, like, why? Make it make sense, you guys. I feel like it's – I mean, I don't know what her hair looked like in real life at
0: that time. Maybe she had really short hair um, I feel like it was a character choice because because she is such a, a reserved, like quiet, introverted character. They w- probably wanted her to have hair that would cover most of her face to like because I'm sure in that character, like if you're somebody who is really self conscious and you want to like hide yourself, like you let your hair grow, you hide yourself behind your hair. Like I've known people who've done that, so it made sense for yeah. the character. But if she had hair that length, I don't understand why they would have done it. So I feel like it had to be something where, like, her natural hair didn't, pro- like, convey the same kind of thing that they wanted. So they had to put a wig on her, I guess. That's just my thought. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the reason why, that wig is fucked. Yeah, they should have spent a little bit more money on a nice wig. Yeah, get a um, lace front. Come on, you guys. Yeah, seriously. Um, but... so that's that um Ginger's makeup that she would do for her transformation sequences um it would take hours on end to complete because John Fawcett refused to use CGI on his film he wanted everything to be practical effects practical Mm -hmm. makeup prosthetics which I'm super about I mean you know I'm not a CGI bitch I don't I think if it can be used in addition to practical effects and it will enhance it great but yeah I just think it's lazy to just like Go full on CGI. So
1: anytime a director is like, "I want practical," I'm out. I'm into it. But that I did. mean, yeah. You know, when I mean, I just re, I think we both just rewatched mm-hmm. in October American Werewolf in London. Oh yeah. Where it's like when you see something like that, which like yes, is it the most iconic? Probably will never be surpassed. Tr- werewolf transformation scene. Yes. But also when you see like, okay, back then, not only do they do practical effects, all practical effects, but. It still holds up. Oh, like, yeah. that shit looks gnarly. That shit looks like. You're sitting there being like, how? How did they fucking do that? So, if they can do that then, with the money and the resources we have now, there's no fucking excuse that I have to look at the most digitalized piece of shit ever. Yeah, I'm just. Absolutely think- no attempt at a practical. Yeah,
0: I, I'm thinking about like yeah everything you said all the practical effects in American Werewolf are incredible and then I have to fucking watch Teen Wolf who has an MTV budget and they have that bullshit listen
1: I can't listen I can't I here's what I'm gonna say it looked awful as a goddamn Teen Wolf stan growing up and watching this as it aired live um I just want it on record one mm-hmm. we have to do it every episode I have to thirst after somebody Don O'Brien I'm pretty sure you're no longer with uh Britt Robertson i'm here i'm available and you're probably the person that's closest to my age range that i have a crush on so i love you style swinsky um also tyler posey oh my god (laughs) you're on a fast no it's not that you are on a fast track to becoming the Corey feldman of our generation oh interesting i don't know that i mean it complimentary um but you know what you do what you gotta do bud do what you have to do um but for teen wolf um the way that I will make us do a Teen Wolf mini set at some point. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm only on season two, so it will not be anytime soon. I mean, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, something about Teen Wolf that I I love, that the graphics are some of the worst things you will ever see <laughs> in your fucking life. It's so because bad. It, makes, it Because it's, like, okay, yeah, only an MTV budget. It's not, like, a huge studio, and it's, like, a, you know, a teen show. They're not going to put in, like, millions on this. But it's, like, it's so bad that it's, like, Think of the worst graphics you've seen on like sci-fi and they're worse than that. Like, but that's like years later. Like, because when you're watching it and you're like so invested in the characters as it was like happening live, you're like, oh, these graphics suck, whatever, but you're like not paying attention. When you can like take years removed from it and go back and watch <laughs> it, it's like so charming to see how absolutely atrocious these fucking practical effects were. and Not practical effects, excuse me, digital effects. Yeah. Um, And the thing about it is like, maybe okay season one right they weren't sure if anyone was gonna watch the fucking show they put a lot of money into it Mm -hmm. after this got going like everyone was watching teen motherfucking wolf like it was a big show for mtv and they just didn't bother to put any money (laughs) into those effects any they're like listen we got away with it in season one and people fucking loved it why would we waste any money on fucking making them better people are still gonna watch it and you know what they're not wrong because i fucking sat there and i watched all of it yeah i just wish it was better I just wanted to go on record and say, Teen Wolf, MTV TV show, I love you and I support you. Jury's out for me still on that. But um, yeah, it's just Give like... Give it time. Give it time. It's like fucking
0: Alien 3. Like, sometimes CGI can work and sometimes it can really not work. And it's just oh, yeah. jarring when I, I see that we're cap- people are capable of making these incredible pieces of art. And someone would rather use a shitty digital form because it's easier and like quicker and probably more expensive honestly i just i don't get it i would always rather practical so i respect deeply and i think it works so well the transformation mm-hmm. sequence so i'm super on board for it but unfortunately because it is you know Makeup. It took a really long time. Every time that they had to do it, it would take them hours upon hours to complete it. And I feel so bad for her uh, because it was so tight against her skin. Um, A lot of the time, Catherine Isabel's nose would just be constantly running. So she would have to like sit there in full prosthetics with like cotton swabs stuck up her nose to like soak up the fucking snot. So I'm sure that was a really cute look for her. (laughs) But you know, it's all in the name of art. And what can you really – what can you do about it? I mean, they sacrificed
1: so much for us. Yeah, and it
0: really works. So that is all of the information. Oh, no, I have one more thing. I must have skipped. Um, People – okay, so they did not think that this was going to be a big movie at all. Like, they thought it was going to flop. And Uh I'm happy to report that not only did it end up being the fifth highest grossing film in Canada for the year, which I think is big kudos for a horror film – um, mm-hmm. It also won Fangoria's Chainsaw Award for Best Screenplay. Oh, incredible! Yeah, and we love Fangoria. We love their Chainsaw Awards, and I'm glad. that oh, they, yeah. I was nominated for a few things, but it won for Best Screenplay, which I feel like makes a lot of sense because it's a great screenplay.
1: Damn. Yeah. So good for them. That is my little. I actually have a fun fact. You have one?
0: Oh yes, my god! Yes, you made
1: me think of. Um, I was not going to say it because in case you had it, brought it up, is um. John Fawcett, on top of the whole, like, everything has to be practical, um, including, like, the huge werewolf mm-hmm. and the werewolf suit. Yes. He wanted the werewolf to be hairless. hmm That was his choice, you know. For whatever reason, I don't remember if there was a reason why. Um, maybe to make it seem more feminine. I don't know. Um, mm, but the guy that was making it was, like, you know, because of the fact that it's, you know, it had to be all practical and had to be hairless, usually when you make a werewolf suit and it's practical – You know, because there's fur all over it, you can hide zippers Mm -hmm. and shit like that. But so, of course, making it hairless, everything is exposed. So he literally had to put on, which is when you watch the movie, you'll see. There's, like, certain spots where there are just, like, little tufts of hair. Like, it's kind of like, it's not not like a naked mole rat. (laughs) It's, like, mainly, you know all greased up and hairless mm-hmm. but there are little tufts of hair and it's because they had to hide the zippers and apparently when he like brought it to set for the first time John Fawcett was like what the fuck <laughs> I said I wanted a hairless werewolf and the guy was like John there, someone has to get in the suit Right? we have to zip it up do you want zippers on screen I don't think so we have to have some amount even if it's just to hide zippers of hair on this fucking wolf to so it doesn't look like a goddamn suit, um which I thought was funny because it's like I mean it's interesting in general to like make the choice to have like a hairless werewolf, mm-hmm. um, but also the fact that they were like, we'll give you as close to that as we can, but also like it is absolutely impossible for us to be completely naked on this wall. Right, that makes sense. I also read in a, about that that
0: the guy who wore the costume because, yeah, like you said, it's a full suit that they put on a man who then like was the werewolf. Um, Mm -hmm. It was so constricting and so hot inside the suit that they could only do a few takes at a time and then they would need to, like, let him breathe and, like, put, like, ice on him and cool him down so that he didn't get, like, heat stroke. So it was a, a time trying to get all of his footage shot without, like, fucking overheating him.
1: I mean, it's that shit when you go to fucking goddamn Disney World when they have the fucking people in the mascot costumes. I mean, it's like, that's the tough break. That's Mm -hmm. the fucking tough break. It's like not being like, you know, I feel like being a princess is the score or being a prince because it's like, you're getting told that essentially you look like a goddamn prince or a princess, like, and you get to like, just be in a fun costume and like, you know, really act up the character and talk. The people that are in like the actual like mascot shit, like Mickey, Minnie, fucking Pooh Bear, all that shit. They don't, they can't talk. Because I think they probably would come out muffled sounding in the first place. But, like, so not only can they not, like, fully embody the character in that sense, but then, dog, you were in that Florida heat. Oh, my God. That's why they have to come out, like, for only, like, a minute, and then they, like, quickly <laughs> escort them away, which is why you have to, be like, be waiting at their, like, photo op right. place. Oh, my God. That was, like, the thing when we went, not even to Disney World, to Disneyland three years ago when I took Bridget for her birthday it was like trying to use the fucking Disney app or whatever to like where are these people right now because she wanted like pictures with everyone um because of the fact that like they're there for a couple minutes and then they disappear again Mm -hmm. like which I guess maybe adds to the magic of the whole thing like if you stumble upon I mean that's what we we stumbled upon Jack Skellington um near the Haunted Mansion and I, I I don't even know that I knew anyone dressed up as Jack Skellington at Disneyland um and it was marvelous um yeah that's my that's my disney tangent for Um, (laughs) incredible um yeah now that we've gone through all of the
0: production information do you want to just give a recap of what the movie is about some maybe some themes whatever you want to say about it before we get into our thoughts
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, so Ginger Snaps um, is a horror movie, if you can guess. It's a werewolf (laughs) movie. And essentially, it follows two sisters um, named Ginger and Bridget, Ginger being the eldest sister and Bridget being the youngest. But the whole thing is, like, she's, like, a year younger, but Bridget is smart enough that she skipped a grade, so they're in the same grade together. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially, they're, like, two outcasts. They're obsessed with death and all that kind of shit. And they're, you know, stuck in suburbia, which just makes people fucking miserable. So, like, their whole thing is they have a pact that's, like, um, out by 16 or dead on the scene, but together forever. Meaning, you know, they either get out of this fucking dumb fuck town by 16, or they're going to kill themselves. Which, like, that's an interesting thing throughout the movie, is, like, you don't really know if they're serious. Mm -hmm. Like, are they actually going to do it? Um, But then the the whole premise is, like, There's a werewolf loose in Bailey... Bailey Downs? That's the name of the town, right? That sounds right. It is. It is Bailey Downs. Um, Loose in Bailey Downs, and it's, like, killing a bunch of people's dogs and shit like that. Um, And so, one night, the girls go out because there's this mean bitch at school, and they want to get her back by, like, stealing her dog and making her think, for a few days at least, that, you know, uh, the beast of Bailey Downs that's on the loose got her dog. And while they're out, um, Ginger gets her period, which was also a huge plot point of, like, the two sisters have not gotten their periods yet, and their mom is, like, fucking a nut about it. She's like, they're so late. When are they going to get their periods? (laughs) Um, So while they're out at night trying to go through this plan, Ginger gets her period, and she's, like, devastated. She's got the curse, she calls it. And the blood attracts the werewolf, who then viciously attacks her. Bridget cannot help her until finally... um, The werewolf gets hit by a truck. She manages to get Ginger home who's, like, horribly hurt, and, like, Ginger doesn't want her to get her parents or anything. She wants to, like, sleep it off. And, of course, that is her getting bit by the werewolf. And then the rest of the movie is essentially her transformation. Slowly, she, like, she's healed, but then she starts growing tufts of fur out of, like, where she was scratched. She grows a tail. Her fucking eyes start to change color. She starts to get fangs. And on top of that, she seems to be, like, embracing her femininity and her sexuality more. But she doesn't realize that the sexual urges or, like, whatever she has isn't even really for sex. It's to rip everything to pieces and devour people, mainly boys. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, then the next part of the whole rest of the movie is you know ginger doing the transformation becoming a monster you know and you know bridget trying to keep it on wraps trying to figure out how she can save her she teams up with this local drug dealer who was the guy that ended up actually hitting the werewolf with his car in the beginning to find a cure and she wants to keep you know ginger safe so she pretends that she's the one that's the werewolf all this shit leading up to the ending in which of course we have a full werewolf transformation now ginger is fully the wolf um on Halloween night, no less, um, attacking, you know, there's a huge, the the end of the movie takes place in their home in which, you know, it's being torn to shreds. They're trying to, you know, stop her, shoot her up with this like wolf's bane concoction that they've put together or monkshood, that's what they call it, monkshood. Um, And spoiler, you guys, so if you want to watch, stop listening right now because here comes the big spoiler. Um, Bridget dies, not Bridget, excuse me, Ginger dies. Um, But she's also, before this happened, has bitten Bridget because they have to do everything together. They have to stick together. Um, So we don't see it happen, but we just know, we end on this very tragic note of like Bridget lying on Ginger's dead werewolf carcass, knowing that not only has she had to kill her sister and her sister's gone forever, and now she, in general, is here without her, but now she's going to be here without her when her time comes for this transformation. Um, And that is your brief synopsis. Of ginger snaps before we we jump into discussing. Nicely done. Thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, where do we start? Where do you want to start? Um,
0: I I think we should just give our overall thoughts. I, I'll go first. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit when we started the episode how I had only seen it a year ago. Um, I had only seen it one time. Honestly, it was it was probably in quarantine. I think when I watched it, I feel like it had to be. Um, and I was really, really surprised at how much I liked it the first time I saw it. Um, because obviously I went in knowing really nothing about it other than like, this is a B-horror movie and it's a werewolf movie. And as you've said, werewolves are not really my thing. I There's only like a couple of werewolf movies that I really enjoy. And for the rest of them, I'm kind of like over it. So I was very surprised. And so for our Halloween calendar for me and Greg, I, we did a werewolf night. We actually did two werewolf nights. And we did ginger snaps and cursed and i was very excited to re-watch it and i was very excited to show it to him and i mean i loved it just as much the second time around i think its message is really important and really unique because i don't know if it's why i don't like werewolf movies or really don't connect to them but i feel like and i feel like this even goes back to a little bit of like scare me where werewolf movies for the most part follow a very standard structure of like young boy goes on an adventure where like something happens and he has to like fight a werewolf and he has to get the silver bullet and kill the wolf and I just don't care you know unless there's a really cool transformation scene like werewolves don't really do anything for me and aside from American Werewolf in London like I don't really have any werewolf movies that I would actively watch more than once maybe Bad Moon honestly but I'm Mm I'm not a huge silver bullet fan I'm not a huge howling fan just they don't do much for me um so i think when i saw this and i saw a completely different representation of werewolves because Mm -hmm. it was women and also because it was more so a metaphor for just female sexuality and adolescence i was like oh that's how you tell a fucking werewolf story
1: that's Mm -hmm. how you make
0: me care so you know as much as i love american werewolf in london i think the second best werewolf movie in my opinion is ginger snaps just because it is so unique and creative and original and it takes the classic story in a completely different direction
1: than any other werewolf movie I've ever seen Mm, okay that's my thoughts um I mean yeah I fuck heavily with ginger snaps as I said like I think I discovered this one probably back in like early high school Mm um and I think in general, like, on top of the whole thing that I already went through, where it's like, I love werewolf movies, I seek them out, but, like, there aren't really, like, female werewolf movies. Yeah. Um, Which, I have a thought about that, but I'll wait until we fully get into discussion about it. But, um, so that was already something that I was very intrigued by. Um, But, yeah, it it comes at a time where it's just like, uh, well, actually, this is all stuff that I want to talk about in general. That's fine. But, you know, I maybe I'll use this as a segue to go yep. right into it. But I'll just say, like, overall, like, I like Ginger Snaps. Um, I've seen it several times. Um, it's definitely one that I like to watch when I'm on my period. It makes me feel validated. <laughs> like, literally, I'm just like, it makes me feel good. Where I'm just, like, both simultaneously being like, oh, they get it. They fucking get it. But then also being like, you know, it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot <laughs> Very worse. fair. I could be growing a tail, and I'm not. So, you know, and I I, I guess I feel good about that. Um so it's a feel-good movie, gals. It is. It's a feel-good movie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a great werewolf movie. I really like it. I like the way that it addresses things differently than what we've seen in both just horror in general and then also the werewolf subgenre of horror. Um I think I definitely maybe liked it a tiny bit more when I was younger. I think it's really easy when you start watching a movie a lot Mm -hmm. to then, like, either just be, to either, like, forever just have blinders on and be like, I like it and I will never see anything bad about it. And sometimes that happens. Or sometimes being like, okay, I still fuck with this movie and I think it's good, but maybe I don't, like, think it's as immaculate as I originally did. Um, And I think when I watched it, I kind of felt that way a little bit just because, you know, like, Some of the -the over-the-top, like, the sisters being into death and being, like, Mm -hmm. really, like, dark and, like, you know, hot-topic queens. I was just a little bit, like... Maybe it, like, struck a little too close to home of, like, me being a little too emo uh, Mm -hmm. in middle school, early high school um, where I was like, ooh, I don't want to see it. (laughs) I don't want to remember. Please stop. Um, But, I mean, overall, the overarching, like, message and themes and the werewolf shit, like, still goes hard and it's great so yeah this is a movie that we both enjoy but i want to use a segue let's get us into a discussion um about femininity as a whole in this movie um i think it's really interesting to start off that there aren't any really werewolf female movies because if you think about it there's the whole thing in which which works so well with this where you know you get your period once a month you know like that's just like on on cue every month unless you know you're pregnant or something else happens or you're on birth control you you know you have other factors Mm -hmm. but you also get what every month a full moon and there's shit all the time about how like women are controlled by the moon and the tides and shit like that which you know what i believe that shit i don't give a fuck what anyone says i i fuck with that like so i feel like women have so much more of a tie to the moon and i feel like the moon it's such a weird thing people do but like i feel like people refer to the moon as being more feminine and the sun being masculine Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just so strange to me that a creature that is ruled by the moon has only, has always been, like, portrayed by men. It's so true. That's just so strange to me where it's, like, this is why I think also, like, for whatever flaws we might have, I give it so much slack because it's, like, well, they fucking got it finally. Like, it's just been so glaring. Mm-hmm. And they were just, like, they did what I feel like we all should have been, like, okay, where when is this happening? Is like, women should be werewolves like and I think in general I really appreciate movies with female body horror Mm -hmm. because one being a woman I don't know what it's like to be in a man's body um but on top of that it's just like yes both bodies go through changes both male and female you know respectively whatever um especially through puberty but I'll go on the fucking record here and say like The female fucking body changes and the shit female bodies go through is so much more drastic and so much more painful and gross and shit like that. And I feel like for so many women probably feel this way, it's like shit we can't even talk about, Mm -hmm. right? Like, even just your period alone. Like, it's like, oh, we don't talk about that. That's not ladylike or whatever, where it's like, you know, fuck you. Yeah, but dudes can talk about how they have like 15 boners in a day. Yeah, like, it's like, this is shit that I can't help. Right, Like, I can't stop it from happening. Like, I have to live with this fucking, as they call it in the movie, The Curse. Mm -hmm. Because that's literally what it fucking feels like. So, you know, I want to see that shit. And you can put it in, you know through the metaphor of like a monster transformation because that's what it feels like when you're a young girl and you like feel gross because you're going through puberty and like now you gotta shave and now you're fucking bleeding and like all this shit and like of course then you know being a teenage girl everyone not everyone but a lot of teenage girls I can attest to this it was my personal experience you feel so insecure you feel ugly you feel less than you feel fat you feel whatever like so to have all that shit thrown in together it makes you feel like a goddamn monster it makes you feel like you're going through some horrible fucking transformation. So, yeah, when I saw this movie, I was like, yes! Fuck yes! Yeah. Because then it's like, you also get the gratification of, like, you know, when she's like, before she becomes the truly, you know, disgusting, horrible, hairless werewolf, she does have that classic teen girl movie shit that I. I love it. I don't care if it's cliche. I love it. Where it's like, oh, the bitch is, like, embracing herself. She's embracing her, like, sexuality. Mm -hmm. She's got this confidence. And here she comes walking through the school hallway, slow motion. She knows everybody's looking at her ass. Like, and she loves it. And something that's great about this movie is, like, she didn't have to go through a transformation of, like, well, now she wears short shorts and nothing but pink because (laughs) now she's really a girl. Because don't get me wrong. I love some short shorts i love some pink pink's my favorite color believe it or not but i just like that it was like she still is almost dressing somewhat the same just like you know without like a huge fucking winter jacket all over everything but like she's still got her like goth girl moment going on with her clothes like she literally is wearing like a fucking like bone necklace <laughs> um but she's still confident and everyone fucks with her they're like yeah and it, that's the whole thing. It's just, like, it's so hard to come by, unfortunately, as being a teenage girl is confidence. That, like, you know, when you have it, oh, girl, you have it, and you've got to flaunt it. You've got to use that. That's power. doesn't matter what you look like or what you're doing. Is you have confidence, you are so powerful. And that's something that, like, I think most people get taught. It's just, like, hard to practice um, because it's so easy growing up and feeling weird and feeling people don't get you to feel insecure. But, like, yeah, I was just, like, watching this being, like, fuck, I want a werewolf to bite me. Like, that's what it takes to have fucking confidence. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, and I'm the queen of faking it till I make it. Like, you know, I am. But it's just like, this bitch is like, I don't think she's faking it. She is confident. Yeah. Like, but yeah, sorry. That was me rambling for for a hot minute. It's
0: so true because like, like you said, this is really the first, I mean, there could be others at this point that I'm just like not aware of, but off the top of my head, like this is the first and like main female werewolf film that I've seen. And... Mm -hmm. I do think that a lot of that stems from the fact that, you know, The Wolfman came out back in a time where, like, it was very much male is like, the default male is like, the protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. And then it kind of became, like, well, werewolves are, like, hairy and they're animalistic and that, you know, is in keeping with just, like, male personalities and male tendencies of, like, not being able to control your anger. And it just, like, fit in and they just kind of went with it. But everything that you've said is so true. It's so – it aligns so much more clearly with – the female experience in my opinion because of everything that you said and it's surprising to me that it took this long to make a like mainstream although it was like we are considering a b-horror um, you know horror film about female werewolves and I think even at times the script is a little bit on the nose it's a little bit like or <laughs> on the snout if you will
1: <laughs> pause jesus for laughter
0: <laughs> um just kidding <laughs> um, ma'am <laughs> whatever jesus um it's a little bit on the nose but i can forgive it because everything that it's saying i'm like yeah absolutely exactly just what i'm thinking and so i can forgive the fact that it's like really like specific because it's exactly how i felt as a teenager it's exactly how i remember my experience and it just feels very genuine Amongst
1: all the shit that like is supernatural, yeah. I mean, and yeah. what well, you brought up, you know, mm-hmm. saying like, you know, this is a B horror movie in our eyes. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not mainstream, but that just goes back to so many things as well, where it's just like kind of my experience with werewolf movies, where it's like, if you're a you're, you like horror, oh yeah, you could name some werewolf movies, but I feel like to the average person, like, there really aren't mainstream werewolf movies. There's mainstream vampire movies. Mm-hmm that maybe if you don't like horror you still know of or you've still seen them and i'm not even talking about just like twilight or whatever um there's like other ones as well but like you don't really have that for werewolves like literally the one that maybe if you ask someone that didn't really watch or didn't like horror maybe they'd be able to say american Werewolf in london maybe mm-hmm. they'd be able to say the howling what else are they gonna say nothing so in general like werewolves are not in the mainstream which i um i'm gonna be running for office you guys uh my uh my campaign is built on just bringing more werewolf movies to the mainstream. Um, I don't know if I'm going to vote for you. Need. Wow! Wow! I know, um, guys. This is me actively <laughs> ending my friendship with Alex on the podcast right now. Listen, Bitch, the fuck!
0: I'm sorry. Werewolves are my least favorite creature. You know that. If that's your whole platform, I don't know if but I can go I'm going it. to
1: revolutionize the genre. Okay. Because we're going to make them. We're going to give you more. There's going to be more to pick from. It's not just going to be your basic, you know, Wolfman.
0: Fine, I'll support you in anything that you do. Oh, uh, thank
1: you. Jesus, like pulling fucking <laughs> teeth over here, pulling fangs. I, am I, right? I, I knew you were going <laughs> to do it. If you didn't do it, I was going to do it. Jesus Christ. Um, but then, yeah, more specifically, like, you know, there isn't female body horror in the mainstream. And something I wanted to bring up, and there's a lot of points I want to bring up about this movie, is the fact you think about something like jennifer's body mm. like that was probably top of my head and you can correct me if i'm wrong you know i'm not looking at a fucking you know timeline here in my mm-hmm. entire vast knowledge but like that seems like the last and, and that movie isn't even really body horror but it's the closest you're gonna get that was the last mainstream body horror i feel like for females or women i don't like calling them females um that just makes me feel weird that's what like men like to refer to women as yeah. these females and it's like when do we ever say like these males no. we don't no. we say, we say these dumb fucks yeah these fucking rats um <laughs> I fucking cannot uh, men are disgusting incredible. anyways um but yeah and going off Jennifer's body sorry you guys my brain is just like women right now um so it's all over the place in, a, in the best way but, like, there's a lot of similarities and if you think about, like, Ginger Snaps and Jennifer's Body. Obviously, Jennifer's Body came later. It came in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sense of, like, you know, you have these two girls. Obviously, in Ginger Snaps, it's sisters in Jennifer's Body. It's, you know, two best friends, per se. And, you know, one of them has the unfortunate fate of becoming something. Something that, you know, mainly chooses to uh, devour and soak in the blood of boys, um, which I love that shit. Um, and then the their counterpart, their female counterpart, their sister or their best friend has to figure out how to save them. And they feel like they're changing and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't want to go on a whole thing about Jennifer's body because it will take us forever because I could say so much about Jennifer's body. But just, like, I am a huge fan of teenage girl horror in general. Um, which... I know it might be shocking because, you know, I love my uh, Boys on Bikes adventure horror. I know you do. Um, But I also love teenage girl horror because I can relate to teenage girl horror. Um, I feel like with the Boys on Bikes adventure films, there's more of a longing. Like, I didn't really do that growing up. Mainly because a lot of them are from the 80s Mm -hmm. and I don't live in the 80s. Um, But, like, you know, I just didn't have that. It's like, oh, I wish I did. Because also, like being a young girl, I really couldn't go out on my own at night, otherwise, I would get murdered, right? So, I Still didn't have that can't luxury, really go out. yeah. Nothing has changed. Um, but teenage girl horror, like, I connect to like, I think of even shit like the craft, and oh my stuff my, I love like the that. craft, I fuck with the craft so hard, yeah. um, but just kind of embodying like you know you take all those horrible things whether it be body horror like you're changing or just like you know the stresses of being specifically like a young woman Mm -hmm. and like having to come to terms with like your sexuality or your appearance or like the way that men are going to treat you then for the rest of your lives and the way that society pits women especially young women and shit like that against each other Mm -hmm. like it feels like you're always in competition and you always have to outdo like combining that shit and those like real world like horrors and fears and anxieties and interweaving them into like you know more fantastical horror for lack of a better way of saying it whether it be a werewolf movie or fucking you know a succubus in jennifer's body Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck she's a demon and or you know practicing witchcraft and having it get real dark real quick like i really really like that shit like so i mean i don't know if you have feelings about teenage girl horror but like I, I'm a sucker for that shit, and I feel like there's definitely probably teenage girl horror that I don't like, where I feel like they're trying to be too on the nose about it, mm-hmm. but you know, I feel like a solid three for me are, you know, Ginger Snaps, Jennifer's Body, The Craft, which also I want to make a quick note,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is something we could say about most films in general, but there, for the teenage girl horror, there's, most of it is white girls. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's just like, once again, something that we all need to be aware of, and you know, i'm not currently making movies i hope to one day but like if anyone out there is someone that does make movies actually something to keep in mind and if you're looking to make a teenage girl horror movie or any movie but we're talking about teenage girl movies right now like we need diversity because even if you think about the craft like there's one black girl in the craft who's part of the group mm-hmm. and obviously we've talked about this on before on the podcast but the um great documentary on shutter um horror noir she's in it and she mm-hmm. talks about it she talks about how like you know in the years since she's glad that like her character her whole character's thing is essentially like her struggle is race she's on the swim team and there's like a racist girl on the mm-hmm. swim team that's like literally saying the most horrid shit to her and she like gets her back by like having her hair fucking fall out um but also it's just like I feel like in all these movies it's like especially in horror movies where it's like well if we have black characters their horror and their struggle has to be about race yeah It has to be – which, like, to a degree, like, that's great. You're, like, you know, putting that shit on screen, like, this is what they have to deal with. Like, you think about something like Get Out. That's great. But then you also have Jordan Peele make something like Us, where, like, it's a black family, but it's not about them being black. Right. The horror is something completely different, where it's, like, we have to have more representation. Like, once again, I'm just going to speak specifically about teenage girl horror, otherwise I could go on this forever. But, like, you know, young girls – we have the the shared experience of what i'm talking about getting your period feeling insecure going through these changes boys being disgusting that are universal so we should represent that universally through having it be not just white girls portraying this it should be women of all colors and and everything under the sun, you know, all sexualities, whatever. Because, like, yes, you can have movies in which then the horror comes from a a more specific experience about maybe being gay or being black or whatever. But it's like, that shouldn't be the only time we ever give those people a platform or an ability to see themselves. Yeah, I mean, I find it really, I mean, as much as I love
0: the craft and I love her storyline and her revenge plot, I mean, it is frustrating when you... A only cast one person of color in a film and B when their entire storyline is based around the fact that they are black and they are a minority because while yes those are struggles that they have to deal with because people are awful um I also want to know about that person aside from their race because that doesn't really matter to me they're just a person and I feel like just it, it just feels a little bit like oh well like we'll throw in like a black character so that like we can have them deal with racism it's like okay well let's have a black character who deals with like other problems as well because they why like why not
1: you know well yeah because it's, yeah. it's like you know obviously we know like there's no movie like this where like the white girl has to deal with the fact that she's white yeah absolutely and it's it's the
0: same thing like we talked about with uh, our blind manner episode where like like all gay stories a lot of the times are like shown through a lens of tragedy and having to hide and while that's true i also want to see stories about gay characters that don't have to do with deal with all of that shit like just a story about who they are because they can exist and they can have struggles still that don't have to revolve around that yeah absolutely so i agree with you on all of that i mean in terms of just teen like girl teen horror in general i don't think that there is enough of it i don't think that we have like an endless amount of like excellent examples to comb through i mean i definitely think that there are more now with like the gen z generation coming up like being more open and more feminist and like putting out content that you know is more inclusive um and about women more than it is just about like your standard fucking like white dude um i don't think a lot of them are particularly good from like what i can think of off the top of my head but i want them to keep making them because they're fun and i also think that making them, like you said, in the structure of, like, a supernatural horror kind of film, I'm sure that that makes it easier to pitch and to market because, I mean, as much as we've progressed, people, a lot of people still don't want to watch a movie about a girl going through puberty unless there's something else involved with it,
1: you know? I, unless she's, like, you know, sleeping with a fucking older man. Right, and it's
0: like, we can have a million movies about, like, fucking teenage boys, like, wanting to have sex and, like, do drugs and fucking like super bad and all of them like we have a million of those but like we can't have a female one so like shit like and it's not horrible like shit like book smart and you know movies that are more in the vein of like your classic boy story but like focusing on the women we need more of that and i i love mm-hmm. it when it comes in th- in the horror genre because yeah i mean you can use so many things as metaphors for the struggles of being a woman and going through adolescence and ginger snaps just does it so well and there's so many lines throughout the film of like having double entendres of like repre- like when she talks about you know when she like was having sex with uh i forget his name
1: do you know his name his name is brendan sorry is right? no, up? it's one second oh, jason his, his character name is jason jason
0: um she has like a line about like, how she wanted to, like... I mean, you said it earlier when she, like, thought she had this sexual desire for him and she, like, needed to, like, be with him because it was going to satisfy this, like, deep craving that she had. And then, like, it was over in two seconds and, like, the craving was still there and how it's, like... it's It works both as her werewolf, you know, desires and needs and her female desires and needs. So mm-hmm. it just... It, everything that she experiences as she transforms into a beast creature, also parallels all of the experiences that she's having at the exact same time as she is, you know, going into womanhood and, like, having her period. And, oh, my God, could you imagine the stress of having both of those journeys at the same time?
1: Mm, Of just, like, all
0: the hormones and just everything going on and then also becoming a creature. Like, even when they're in the, I think it's the principal's office or the guidance counselor's office or something, and they're trying to talk about like ginger being different and uh Bridget says like well what about like hair that wasn't there before and they're like Uh that's totally normal you're gonna grow hair all kinds of places and like right you know it just it just works so well so like we've said many times I, I am surprised that this is the first time I've seen this you know specific you know classic monster be represented in a way that is so tightly connected to just the female experience
1: Yeah, and, like, not to feel like I'm, you know, being very preachy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's, like, as white women, Mm -hmm. you know, we see ourselves a lot. We see ourselves represented. Like, I don't think that we can sit here and pretend that, like, we really are, like, underrepresented in media. Like, we're not. It's just one of those things where it's, like, especially in the past year that we've had... You know, it's just, you know, we want to make a conscious effort to try to be more aware of this stuff and, and bring it up where it's like, you know, we don't know these struggles. We don't live them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're just trying to, you know, put it out there maybe for you to think about maybe our other white women listeners or whoever just like you know to take that into consideration like when you look at just like the shit that you've consumed the shit that still comes out and like the lack of representation like you know it's really easy to be like well there's you know there's people of color in it there's black people in it it's like yeah like and that's you know i'm not gonna pat somebody on the back for just putting people of color in their movie like that should be the norm but it's just like representing all kinds of stories in all manners Mm -hmm. so it shouldn't as i said it shouldn't just be like well yeah this story is about like you know this you know Young black girl dealing with people being racist. It's like, yeah, that's definitely an experience that they have to deal with. They also have, you know, normal everyday struggles that the rest of us have too. That like never get portrayed because like, well, no, 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 we always have to talk about people are just horribly racist to you. And it's like, don't you think that they want an escape from that once in a while? Like, don't you think that they want to just see themselves portrayed on screen and it not have to come with that as well? Yeah, absolutely. um But yeah, sorry for that. I'm not actually sorry for no, it. Don't I want to say it. Um, um, that needs to be said. Speak it. You know. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> but beyond teenage girl horror, mm-hmm. I also love suburban horror. I fuck you're,
0: suburban you're horror. You're a big suburban horror. You love – Anya loves
1: – Here we go.
0: <laughs> Anya Read loves, me. Anya, Read me. Anya loves two very specific kinds of horror movies. She loves oh, found footage movies. I do. And she loves specifically an 80s movie about a boy – Who's in his youth and he has friends and they have to go on some kind of adventure in their suburban town to defeat some creature that is going to do harm. And that is Anya's like bread like bread and butter. She fucking loves it.
1: That's spot fucking on. I love that shit. You do. That's why I fuck with stranger things really hard. Um
0: See, I I it for me, it's not really my thing. I'm not really an adventure. Cause I mean, there's so many subgenres within horror, and like, I feel like adventure horror is probably one of my least favorites. And also, I don't have the experience of being a small child boy, so
1: I don't. I, oh yeah, because I
0: do. <sighs> I don't know, man. Maybe you're just more empathetic. I don't, I don't connect to like the little white boy. I don't like, I just don't care. And so, most of those movies don't do much for me personally. Um, but I know you love them. They're your shit. And suburban horror can be good, though. Because, like, fucking Fright Night is a suburban
1: horror and it's my shit. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, I'm not even talking about the adventure ones now. I'm just talking about things that take place in suburbia because, once again, you know, as we're talking about, just, like, it goes back to what I was just saying about, like, when you're able to see your experience on the screen whatever that experience is in whatever part of your life mm. it's like thrilling and it's so fun and the fact that like I grew up in suburbia I've lived in the same familial home my whole life I mean not now because I moved out but like I did and my parents will probably live there till they die um and I lived in a nice little neighborhood and you know you knew all the neighbors we had like a little like you know dead-end street like You've been to my house, you know. Um. It's
0: adorable. That could also be it. Because I didn't grow up in, like, uh, your classic suburban white picket fence kind of neighborhood. Like, don't get me wrong. I had a really nice house. But, like, Mm -hmm. I grew up in Cambridge. I grew up in the city. And, you know, I was – my street was off of, like, a big main road, like, right off Mass Ave. So, you know, I – well, like, my street in particular was, like, somewhat cozy. Like, we were still – it was very busy. People would, like, fucking bust down our street. And – I I wouldn't consider it, like, the beautiful, like, cul-de-sac, suburban kind of quiet neighborhood that I hope to one day live in because it seems
1: delightful. So maybe Mm -hmm. maybe that's why it doesn't really, like, stick with me the way it sticks with you. It's just, like, yeah, I I love it. You know, you talked about Fright Night. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, your neighbor is an evil vampire. Like, any, like, the guest. Oh, my God. Dan Stevens, I still love you. Don't think that Oliver Jackson Cohen has taken your place. I love you. Um, Oh, God damn it. This quarantine is going to rot my brain. Um, But things like that, you know, invite somebody into your home. Mm -hmm. Like... Anything like that really gets me because, as I said, I've lived in the same home my whole life. I feel very safe in my home. I feel very safe in my neighborhood. So the idea of, like, what if suddenly something happened? Somebody came to your neighborhood. Something came to your neighborhood and threatened you and was killing people. I even think about shit like Scream. I don't even think Scream is fully a suburban horror. But, like, it is to the sense of, like, it's a small little town. Mm-hmm. It's. A, I mean, the huge culminating event takes place in fucking Stu's house. Yeah, it's like a big farmhouse. Like, I definitely, yeah, I would like, say, yeah. Yeah, it's a very tight knit community, and uh, and since in scream as well, where it's like, oh, someone that you know or have known maybe your whole life mm. that like lives in your town or whatever, if they just fucking snapped and they did this shit and they started killing people off and you didn't know who it was, like someone in theory could just start killing people anywhere, and that's fucking scary. Um, so something like this, where it's like it takes place like in, and the focus of this film though is more of the female body horror shit like that it's less of suburbia but i think it's the fact that it's like you know i love the thrilling idea of like what if a werewolf was loose in suburbia like and i think that that comes into play more at the beginning of the film before ginger is bit because they just have the beast of bailey downs on the loose killing people's dogs Mm -hmm. and like the the debatably one of the best scenes in the movie is the scene when they're going to steal the one bitch's dog and they're walking and they're on this like empty playground at night there's like one street lamp on um and it's just like this perfect suburban horror scene of being somewhere where it's like oh during the day I'm sure it's just like you know filled with the neighborhood kids or the kids from the elementary school nearby like that play on the playground but now they're here in the middle of the night about to do some you know kind of fucked up shit um and then that's where she gets attacked they find the fucking carcass of another dog that was attacked like they fucking Bridget like falls on it and which then, Bridget
0: falls on dead dogs, like, multiple times in this film. At least
1: twice. And it does least. not,
0: Greg, like, made a comment during the movie, which Greg does not speak during movies for the most part. So, like, when he makes a comment, I'm like, ooh, something's happening. And he it's the, there's a scene where they're playing, like, field hockey or lacrosse or something. And I think her name is Trina. She just, like, pushes Bridget and she falls on top of a dead dark dog carcass. And it's like, why is there just a dead dog carcass in the middle of this high school field and nobody saw it? <laughs>
1: Well, that seems great because she, like, shoves her and the boys are, like, watching on the bleachers. Mm -hmm. And they say, like – and the way that it's cut is really good because every time I watch it, I forget. I forget every time because – at this point, we've only seen, we've, like, the opening of the movie is, like, a mother finding her dead dog, you know, and freaking the fuck out. Um, but in the scene, like, they she shoves her hard, she goes down, and the boys are, like, oh, like, laughing, and they're, like, oh, like, the Beast of Bailey Down strikes again. So, it kind of comes off as, like, they're calling Trina the Beast. Yeah. Striking again, hitting her, and then they immediately cut, and you see Bridget on a carcass of a dead dog, and you're, like, oh, but they like, meant the what? actual Beast killed the dog. Um... But I swear to God, every time I watch the movie, I forget that that's the bit. <laughs> so Every time I think they're calling Trina the Beast. That's great. And then they cut, which just like shows, like, that's effective then. And every time, mm-hmm. like, it gets me. And not in a way where I'm like, oh, it's so forgettable. Like, not in that way. It's just like, I'm not watching this movie fucking weekly. I'm not watching it religiously. But There's enough time in between where it's like, oh, I know the movie. I know what happens. But, like, something like that, like a small scene, is effective still. Well, yeah, that's just another example of the screenplay having, like, two meanings. yeah through the whole thing i mean we could just fucking go over that over and over again you know the parallels between Mm -hmm. like your period happening once a month and a full moon once a month and the transformations that come with growing like you know it's the whole fucking movie you guys um but yeah i I just feel like i'm talking in circles now but yeah the suburban horror like all of it really works for me like being in suburbia especially as i said being a young girl in suburbia going through this shit You know, maybe being into some dark stuff. I mean, I was never at this extent. I was never, I don't think, I hope, maybe someone who went to high school with me would be like, yes, you were a bitch. I don't think I was ever this, like, this goth or, like, this emo. Or at the very least, not this much of an outcast. Um, I think I had, you know, a decent handful of friends through my entire education journey. Um, I was never someone that was crazy popular. Um, But yeah it's just like one of those things where it's like and then on top of the fact is someone that you know loves loves a werewolf movie this movie just like really worked for me in all in all aspects so i kind of going off of that um
0: because you do relate to it in like a personal way um another like main theme of this film is the bond between the sisters and how close they are not only in age but it just in they're like tied at the hip every time that you know, Ginger storms off at the dinner table. Bridget goes with her and their mom makes comments, but like, you don't have to do everything that she does. Um, and obviously, because I mean, we both have one sister. Um, yours is younger, yes. mine is older. Um, and personally, for me, my sister and I are, we're four years apart. You know, we are the most opposite people you could ever imagine, like, both physically and personality wise. Like, we have completely different views. Like, politically, we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, just in, in terms of our interests, she doesn't really care about horror, um, and so we're we're very different. So in that way, like I I wish I had a relationship as close as Ginger and Bridget is, um, but I know that you and Bridget, <laughs> ironically, your sister I is know. also named Bridget. Um, I know that you guys are a incredibly close in age and b incredibly close as sisters. So I was wondering if that also you know influenced how much you like this film how much you connect to it um just any i wanted to know your thoughts about the 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 bond of sisterhood that is like very rampant throughout the film
1: oh easily and i'm glad you brought it up because that was something i didn't want to talk about and then in my you know fucking (laughs) disgusting mess of a brain i like literally just like lost it and was gonna completely forget about it that's i do that every Um, day don't worry no, totally, I mean, you know, going off the fact that like literally one of the the girls names the movie is Bridget, mm-hmm. not spelled the same way, but like and she's the younger sister, mm-hmm. although interestingly enough, I feel like in this dynamic, my Bridget would be Ginger, and I would be Bridget, yeah, I think so. um, but you know, I once again, I love stories about sisters because me and Bridget are very close, um. Like, even sister stories about brothers. Like, me and her connect with, like, fucking Sam and Dean Winchester. Mm-hmm. And, like, fucking Damon and Stefan Salvatore. Like, we we don't even call each other sister. We call each other brother. Like, like when I talk to her on the phone, yeah. I'm like, hey, brother. Yeah. Like, you know. That's just what we do because we, you know, once again, fucked in the skull, bro. Like, it's <laughs> it's all fucking dark up there. Um, But I... it it did did affect me and it definitely was something that made me connect to this more in the Mm -hmm. fact that, like, they are very close. I, when in my childhood home, me and Bridget shared a room our entire lives. Mm -hmm. Ginger and uh, Bridget share a room in the movie. They live in the basement. Me and Bridget lived upstairs in our house. Mm -hmm. Um, In the sense that, like, you know... Oh, we don't hate our mom like these girls hate their mom but you know the whole thing where it's like mom doesn't fucking get it she's being annoying and like going off in your room and talking about it and being like i can't wait to fucking get out of here like oh yeah we've had many a conversation like that many like we're very very close um but then like you know and once again you take something like that and it's like something i talked about in our hill house episode where like you know I'm someone that, like, I personally feel very close to my family for as much as I, like, might, like, get pissed off by them and feel annoyed by them and, like, need to be physically away from them. Um, I love them all deeply. So, like, any, like, horror that, like, threatens your family or, like, a familial bond, like, has a really good chance of, like, really affecting me and getting to me. Mm -hmm. So, like, in this movie, in the sense of it's, like, you know, they're they're inseparable, but then you do get to an age where, like, one of you starts growing up or, like, you know – whatever, and, you know, you start to get a little bit of your own life, and you maybe feel abandoned by the other one, where you're like, oh, you're changing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in this movie, it's Ginger physically fucking changing into a werewolf, and becoming, like, you know, vicious, and Bridget feels like, you know, she's abandoned her, but then in the same vein, Ginger also feels like Bridget's abandoned her in the movie, but because of this shit, she has to go off with this drug dealer and try to, like, spend time with him to figure out how to fix this, and Ginger's like, oh, like, now you're running off, and we're supposed to do everything together, and she, like, wants to change Bridget into a werewolf Mm -hmm. and Bridget obviously doesn't want that. So there's that whole thing of being like they clearly love each other even throughout the whole werewolf transformation but that frustration and that fear you have of like well obviously the the blatant fear of like she's a fucking werewolf um but just the fear of like losing them and we're not going to be together anymore and that bond being you know broken and then of course the tragic tragic end where her sister is dead and like i think i might have talked about it in this podcast before i have the most morbid thoughts all the time. Like, I cannot help myself. I'll be awake at night being like, what if this horrible thing happened? Like, what if I woke up in the morning to a phone call that, like, you know, one of my parents died in a horrible car crash? That would be the worst thing ever. Like, that's what I think about before I go to sleep at night. Like, um, so, like, imagining, like, what would I ever do if, like, my sister died? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, ever. I don't even want to think about it. But, like, you know, tragically... Especially in this movie, like, you know, dying as a fucking werewolf at, like, the age of 16. Like, I would, uh, be destroyed. Like, I don't even fucking know. So, like, having that last shot of clearly Bridget being destroyed by the fact that her sister is gone. Mm -hmm. And then, as I said, she's gonna have to now go through her own werewolf transformation without her. I think, yeah, all of that really resonated for me as someone who not only has a sister, but has a close relationship. I mean, I'm 23. She's 21 now. She's gonna be turning 22 in November. So, we're very, very close in age. Um... So, yeah, that was, like, another factor of me feeling like, you know, this is a story that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. And Ginger Snaps, like, I mean, I've had my own ideas for stories that I want to tell. But, like, it's definitely one that I draw inspiration from for the fact that, like, it's a feminist story. It's a story about sisters. And even if you don't have a sister, like, just the bond you can have and, like, female friendships and shit like that, like, shit like Jennifer's Body. I mean, that's kind of, like, a whole different scenario entirely um, because that's much more of, like, a horror comedy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that really resonated with me as well. I think, you know, as I said, if you, if you don't have a sister or whatever, I think you can you can still relate to it if you have a close female bond or relationship with somebody oh, and yeah, like you know absolutely. i mean me and you feel like sisters mm-hmm. we, we call each other sisters all the time because we're so close like our, we're not related by blood or in any familial actual way but like our bond our female friendship whatever the fuck you want to call it like still feels like sisterhood
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i think another part of the film that i think is
0: incredibly impressive and it's probably why i like the movie so much are the practical effects that are used because, like we talked about, I mean, American Werewolf in London has, in my opinion, the greatest transformation sequence I've ever seen in a werewolf film. Um, yeah, Greg argues that Hemlock Grove, the Netflix show that had like two seasons, has the greatest. And like I will say, Hemlock Grove does have a very very impressive werewolf transformation. It was it was dope. Um, and then, like, The howling I've never seen it. Oh, You should – I mean, it's not a very good show. I didn't particularly care for it. But it has Bill Skarsgård and – Oh, it's definitely on my watch list because yeah. of Bill Skarsgård, yeah. I
1: mean.
0: I mean, it just – I watched the first season. It didn't do a ton for me. It was very complicated. But I will say the werewolf shit is very impressive. And then, obviously, people also put The Howling up there, which I agree. The Howling is also – if if The Howling didn't have that sequence, I really would – it would be very forgettable for me personally um, i would say trick-or-treat even has a fucking oh great my god sequence. so fun i forgot about trick-or-treat and that's
1: female werewolves
0: you're right yeah
1: go watch trick-or-treat we love trick-or-treat i oh, fuck with trick-or-treat sam i'll go trick-or-treating with you oh the god. way that if i will never know fucking peace until i get to meet <laughs> sam
0: oh my god one day hon one day one day um but what i love about the transformation in this film in addition to the fact that it's you know, on a female body, and that's already very different than the norm. It doesn't happen in one quick sequence, like, when the moon is full Mm -hmm. and she just becomes a wolf. Like, it is a slow, gradual transformation, you know, obviously because it's mirroring her transformation as a woman, from, you know, girl to a woman, which happens gradually and doesn't happen overnight. But just watching her slowly becoming a creature of the night, if you will... Like, it's mm-hmm. so effective because, yeah, it's little things at first. It's her tail that she has to tape down. It's the hair that's sprouting that they're trying desperately to, like, shave off. And it's so fucking tough it won't come out. And then near the end when she's, like, really, like, turning quick and they start to do the prosthetics on her nose. And they just fully change the shape of her face. It's just incredible. It's... It, it keeps you, your interest the entire film because you want to just keep seeing the next step of the transformation. And it also is done – I think it's done very intelligently because then you don't have to have this, like, big, huge, you know, werewolf display thing that you make where, like, its jaw, like, comes out into a snout. Like, you get to have her do it in bits and pieces. And I'm sure it was much easier to do that way. And it's mm-hmm. more fulfilling for me because I get to watch it, you know, day by day as it's happening. What I would I would love to know your thoughts about the practical effects.
1: I mean, I agree. I mean even with once again, like doing it in a slow, gradual process, mm-hmm. parallels, like even if you just want to talk about periods, like your cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yes, you're you're when you get your period you bleed for like probably like a week or maybe a few days less, maybe a few days more, whatever. But like your body and like your uterus, sorry boys, this is the fucking truth. If you don't want to hear it, fuck off. Um, like, is actively working, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, you know, building back up your uterine lining and blah, blah, blah. Like, and then by the time that's done, it's just like, you know, your ovulation, like, all that shit is happening in the way that, like, for this whole kind of then month-long period until they get to the full moon, like... And because we we don't see her after the full moon that's the only thing so we don't know if this transformation is once you transform into a wolf you stay that way forever Mm -hmm. or if it would be after the full moon she would go back and the process would start over again right um which I think it's effective that we don't see that we don't need to I don't need to see her in an American werewolf kind of way transform multiple times yeah I I just need the one um it's effective that way um but it could parallel that in the sense as well. But, like, you know... Or even if just, like, more broadly, just, like, you know, as you're saying, like, if she were, in theory, to stay as the wolf, this transformation isn't necessarily about, like, her period. Although the period is the catalyst that, like, is her transformation, as her mother would say, into becoming a young woman or whatever. Um, is, like, her... That's her, you know... her her visual transformation of becoming a young woman and you know we have to talk about her mom briefly mm-hmm. the mom in this movie is fucking great because you know she's very the opposite of the girls like she's very like Ooh, i'm an arts and crafts mom and like <laughs> do 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 like where the girls are like i'm gonna fucking kill myself like the whole time um but she's great because like you know she's so your classic like she doesn't get it. She's overbearing. You know. She wants the girls to get their period. Like when Ginger gets her fucking period. She like makes her a cake. And the dad's great too. Because he's a classic dad character. Where like he just wants to sit at the dinner table. And eat his dinner. He doesn't want to actually have to talk. He especially doesn't want to have to talk about anything. About female bodies. God forbid. But like he doesn't want to deal with any of it. He doesn't want to get involved when there's an argument. And like you know she gets pissed off at him. And she's like oh you're you're really a great help. Um, you know very much my father um but um she's great because as shit starts to hit the fan there's a great scene where like ginger's in the bathroom and she's sprouted like a fucking claw nail out of the side of her foot Mm -hmm. and she's looking at it and of course her mom comes in you know just just opens the door walks in she closes the shower she's like why the fuck didn't you knock and you know it's the lines in this one that's like you know so classic mom lines where she's like it's not like you have everything, have anything like I haven't seen before, <laughs> and she's like, you know, you wouldn't understand. Or she's like, I think I would get it, and she's like, you know, get out. Like I'm fat, you know, trying to make up anything. She's going yeah. her mom to get out, and her mom's like sees magazine. She's like, Ginger, you are not fat. Like the women in these magazines are on speed to look like. That. <laughs> and then like Ginger's like, get out. Um, and she's like geez okay which is like once again very much like my mom of like you know which I think it's anyone's mom whether yeah. you're like oh my god get out you're not getting the message so now I have to scream at you um but she's so funny because then like later on she finds like a finger in the backyard and the dad freaks out she's like Relax. It's clearly from their project, (laughs) which we didn't talk about, but the beginning has an iconic opening in which the girls have to do a picture project. And the project, I couldn't tell you what fucking class this is for, but it's called, like, Life in Bailey Downs. And I guess you have to interpret that however you want to. So they literally do this project in which they shoot themselves being killed or committing suicide mm-hmm. in multiple different ways. Like Ginger's like spiked on a white picket fence or being run over by a car. Fucking Bridget's like on a, in a freezer, her dead body supposedly. Mm-hmm. There's like one where they're pretending to hang themselves. And of course, even in this sequence, you know, G- Ginger gets all the ones that are like maybe a little sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know little leg reveal (laughs) shit like that where like you know then you have bridget in like a full-on like fucking like sweater and sweats like in a meat freezer yeah you know it's like you know it's rough for her um but the mom then like when she figures out that like something has happened like the girls maybe did kill somebody i don't think she ever realizes that they're one of them is a werewolf no i don't think she gets that far she has this iconic moment. She like, picks up Bridget in the car and she's like, you know, get in. Like, I know what's going on. And you're like, oh my God, what is she going to do? Like, is she going to get angry? Is she going to take her to the fucking police? Like, what do you do in a situation like that as a mother? And immediately she's just like, I'm going to take care of you girls. We're going we're gonna to go back home. We're going to set the house on fire. <laughs> um, we're going to move away. We're going to start fresh. And Bridget's kind of like, what the fuck? She's like, what about dad? And she's like, no. We're not concerned about She's that. basically like, like win some, lose some. Literally. And I was like, this is iconic. Because this character that could easily be like, oh my god, and like mm-hmm. freak out and be like, these are no daughters of mine, is immediately like, no, I love my daughters. They might be fucking weird and late on their periods <laughs> and maybe have murdered somebody now, but they're my daughters and I will make sure that they do not get taken away from me or whatever Mm -hmm. and I love that kind of shit I love a dedicated mother like that so I had to give that queen a goddamn shout out like she's incredible and this movie definitely has its funny moments I would say maybe you could argue that it's a horror comedy to a degree I definitely think there's more horror there's horror movies that strike me more as a horror comedy than this but she definitely adds levity to the film like oh yeah in the fact that she's, like, an exact opposite of them. She's got her stereotypical, like, you know, everyone gets it. Like, mom doesn't get it lines. Um, she's just, like, kind of living in her own world. Like, she it's like she's, like, so oblivious to everything that's actually going on with her daughters. Um, like, there's a point when, like, she, she knows something's going on with Ginger. She's asking Bridget about it. And she's like, what should I do? Should I talk to her? Which is, once again, a conversation that Bridget has had with my mom about me and a conversation I have had with my mom about Bridget where, like, she wants advice, you know, you guys are close, how should I handle this? And Bridget's, like, in the movie, not my sister, is, like, well, you know, Ginger thinks it's cool that you let us uh, figure stuff out on our own, that, like, essentially you don't bother us. just, yeah. like, oh, oh, right, yeah, I, I, I hope that approach was working. <laughs> like, you know, just, like, Bridget feeding into her mom's delusions yeah. to, like, get her to fucking leave them alone is so good. Um, yeah, she's your
0: classic so yeah. mom, just, like, not understanding the actual, like, world that she's living in with her family uh it, it yeah it works very well I mean I, I also think that there are definitely comedic elements I feel like if I was going to label this film I would say it's a, a coming of age horror yeah yeah yeah,
1: but, yeah yeah
0: yeah no she's a huge comedic part of the movie I really love her character I think she works great as a foil to her daughters um she definitely brings levity to it you know she's great she's iconic
1: I love her I love her but yeah I mean to wrap up the practical effects thing, because I took a tangent yeah. on that answer um no I really like it I think um when I think the best look probably like more most iconic look mm-hmm. is when she um gets to the Halloween party yeah so um, oh yeah so good actually it might even be a moment before that because there's a scene I think it's the same day or maybe it's the same exact look. I feel like it's, like, a step before the final look of her with, like, the full-on, like, nose and shit like that is when they're in the school mm-hmm. and Ginger kills the janitor. Yeah,
0: that's and she's like holding before him. the
1: party. And, yeah, so it's, like, she doesn't fully have, like, the fucked-up nose yet, but she has, like, the fangs and the teeth and her, like, eyes have changed color and mm-hmm. shit like that. And I'm just, like, it's, like, an iconic look. It's, like, I always, a lot of times I look at this shit and I'm, like, oh that would be a killer Halloween costume. Oh,
0: absolutely. I'm always
1: planning, like, 10 years ahead of my fucking costume, <laughs> I swear to God. Like, I'm, like, making a list of, like, gotta do that one before I die, gotta do that one before I die, like, and I feel like this is one of them where I'm, like, oh, I definitely have to dress as Ginger with this iconic look, you know, the, the two different color eyes, the fangs, the long nails, the blood smear all over her face, like, she just, like, you know, dunked her head in, like, a spaghetti bowl, like, you know. It's, it's really good. So I I think the looks are iconic because it I love anything – it's something that I love with the Lost Boys where it's like, I love when you, like, make your creature – I mean, in the Lost Boys it's really their final form, but in this it's, like, in her progression to her final form where it's, like, they look scary, but they also look sexy simultaneously yeah. somehow. Yeah, I love it. Like, that. Uh, those, are, those are my favorite looks. I love a scary, sexy look. Um, what is that Bill Hader line? It's like, mark me down is, you know – Afraid and horny, that's <laughs> something you. like that. That's me fucking twenty four seven. Amazing, but all yeah, right. I really like it. And then yeah, at the end we've already talked about mm-hmm. the the naked lathered up werewolf yeah. is very unique and very much a choice. I'm mm-hmm. into mean, um, all of it. All the stages are great. <clears throat> so I think uh, yeah. it's time. It's arrived. It's everyone's favorite favorite hour, and it's not the witching hour. It's time. For our cue and Slay. Yay. Okay. So, mm-hmm. would you like to open up or should I? I, I feel I like I've been asking this. a lot of questions today. You can start. Okay, Alex. Um, in this movie, what's mm-hmm. your favorite kill? Okay, so I have a little bit of a cheat
0: answer. Um, And you brought it up a little bit before, but you actually didn't mention any of the specific ones I wanted to talk about, so I was happy. Um, Because there aren't a ton of actual deaths that happen in the film, my favorite, quote unquote, deaths are the photo sequence that they do um, Mm. that is at the beginning of the film um, and that, you know, is referenced multiple times throughout because it's obviously like some kind of photography project that they've done and just the level of detail that goes into all the photos they really took their time they really clearly cared about it looking real and shocking and it comes across so well and so some of them that i particularly loved uh, my favorite one is there is a photo of the two of them having a tea party in front of a doghouse outside and they've poisoned each other so they're just like poisoned and dead at this like gothic little tea party that i think is so fun There's a photo of Ginger with her intestines hanging up because there's a lawnmower that has gone over her stomach. So great. So gory. There's uh, one where she's cut her wrists and there's a note hanging above her that says no comment. Um, And then there's one with a pitchfork straight through Bridget's throat. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. I love the art and the prosthetics and the dedication that these two girls went through to create something that was gonna like fuck with their teacher and represent oh yeah because the whole their whole thing is like they love death they're gonna kill themselves like they're so emo and so of course if they have a project where they're able to like represent that in any way they're gonna take advantage of it and they're gonna go fucking hard on it and amongst all of the like actual deaths I feel like the fake death scenes and the fake death photos really stand out for me as like chef's kiss like beautiful
1: beautiful practical effects I'm into it I mean two things I want to say about Mm -hmm. those photos is one like I mean as someone that loves horror I feel like if I had a class like that and someone came in and that was their project I'd be like yo that fucking oh absolutely crazy although if it was like you know I'm saying this out of context but like I think maybe in reality if it happened it was like you know two girls that were like notorious for being like fucking weird (laughs) yeah like I might be a little bit like what the fuck but regardless. I would have to give them props mm-hmm. because I'd be looking at this shit like you're saying being like, how the fuck did they pull that off? How the fuck did they get that to look like mm-hmm. that? Like, that looks real. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, I want to talk to the- – I want to know. What's the secret? Um, but beyond that, you- when I was watching this movie back um, for this episode, you know that my mind was like, wait, should Alex and I recreate these photos? Oh, my God. I would love for, to. For, like, podcast promo? <gasps> like <sighs> – I mean, once again, I would have to get pointers on how the fuck they pulled these off, some right. of them, but I, they would be fucking iconic. It would be so fucking morbid, but if you get it, you get it. Next time um, we're together, we're going to have to do a photo shoot. We're going to have to do so much planning. Um, <laughs> but excellent answer, excellent Thank you. Choice. What is yours? Um, sil- I can't speak. <laughs> Jesus. Um, similarly to yours, because, as you said, there aren't a lot of deaths in the movie, a lot of the deaths are like dead animals, which you know might be upsetting, but you don't ever really see it. All you see is like the clearly fake bloody dog carcass after the fact. like we don't have an on-screen animal death which I'm thankful for. Um, and this is a movie where we talked in the past about like animal deaths where it's like, you know, this does, this is for a p- actual purpose. It's not for like shock value. but yeah, so like a lot of the uh, the deaths aren't on screen. Mm -hmm. Or, like, not even on the screen. There just, like, aren't a lot of them. But the one that I thought was most effective, and it almost plays back into, like, the suburban horror thing, is when Trina comes over Mm -hmm. to their house, and she's like, I know you took the dog, and blah, blah, Like, I saw Ginger take the dog. And she's flipping out, and, like, Bridget's trying to get her to leave because she, like, knows Ginger is, like, really into the transformation now and it's like crazy and she's like you know if this bitch does not leave she's gonna get killed so of course she can't get her out and ginger ends up coming after her and it's like restraining her and like holding her in this headlock and Bridget's trying to like talk ginger out of it and like ginger's like slapping trina's head she's like shut up shut up shut up um but so it's this moment and like you know the girl is like really gives us the performance like she's clearly like fucking scared She's, like, because not even because she's, like, oh, these girls are a werewolf or anything. But she's, like, these girls are fucking crazy. And now one of them has me in a headlock. I'm in their house. And the great thing about the scene is it, it ends up being a mistake, almost, an accidental yeah. death. Because they, like, hear, I think, their parents coming home or whatever. So they're, like, fuck. So she, like, lets go of Trina, finally. And then instead of Trina just running out, Trina, like, grabs a knife. And starts brandishing it at them, being like, what the fuck is wrong with you, blah, 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 blah. And she ends up slipping on, like, milk or something. Mm -hmm. She slips on something and smashes her head on the counter. And and we're supposed to, I guess, assume that she dies from that. Like, breaks her neck, what the fuck ever. Like, severe head trauma is done for. So now they have this body of this dead girl, her skull is bleeding out on the floor. So it's, like, not even a werewolf death, but it's a scary death once again. And what I was saying about suburban horror is, like, the horror of, like, having somebody die by accident in your like family home like that's just so fucking scary like because that's like real like someone could just die of an accidental death they slipped and smashed their head on something yeah then and they especially because like
0: home. your parents are about to come in you have to clean it up and cover it up like within seconds like it's a very it's a very
1: suspenseful scene so then of course you know We get the whole, like, oh, my God, how are they going to hide it? And they come in, and, like, Ginger's on the floor. And, like, you know, the milk now has, like, blood in it, so it's red. And they're, like, Ginger, what the fuck are you doing? And she's, like, oh, like, hello, we're just taking pictures Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, do you want to taste it, Daddy, or whatever? And they're, like, no. And then we cut to seeing that they had put Trina's body in the fucking freezer meat freezer in the garage Mm -hmm. which then like later bridget has to like stop her mom from looking in oh it's such Um, a funny line
0: too because she like her mom's about to put the meat in and then bridget goes what do guys want and the mom is like classic mom being like come here and then she like bakes cookies and like tells her everything that like men want it's so funny
1: well it cuts to later Um, after she's told her, she's like and that's what men want (laughs) and like bridget's like clearly suffered through the whole thing it's so good um but yeah, that for me was the most effective mm-hmm. death because of the fact that it, like, it doesn't come in the way that you expect it. It doesn't come with a werewolf kill or, like, even Ginger, like, snapping her neck. It is like, oh, fuck, mom and dad are home. Like, stop with the, f- okay, That enough is enough, Ginger. She lets her go. And this this girl should have just ran for it. hmm And she stayed a minute too long and she cost herself her life. Yeah. And then it was like, how do you clean that up? And, like, I think in general, like, in most things, like, it's like, this feels like it could really happen. hmm like I said, because it's not a death that is caused re- in any way really by the fact that Ginger's a werewolf, it's literally like her slipping and smashing her yeah. head. That feels really effective to me. Yeah.
0: But that's my favorite kill Incredible choice. That was my second choice if I didn't go with the fake one. But I figured mm. you would do it. So I wanted to be different.
1: Oh, Incredible. so kind.
0: Amazing. Okay, so my next question is because this screenplay is award-winning – what uh-huh. is your favorite line of dialogue?
1: Oh, I mean, There's I a think lot it's easy. Okay. I think it's it comes very early. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite line is um, when we meet the sisters, Ginger, not Ginger, Bridget comes in from outside and, like, informs Ginger that, like, the neighbor's dog had just been found dead or whatever, and Ginger's not really paying attention, and she has a big-ass fucking kitchen knife, and she has it to her wrist, and she, like, looks like she's going to cut, and, she's looking, and she, like, and she's like, and, she, like ugh, and, like, lies back on the bed annoyed, and she's, like, wrists are for girls I'm slitting my throat <laughs> and it's just line? like so fucking iconic where it's just like not that we're promoting suicide girls who cry be horrid does not promote suicide um but that's just like such a fucking iconic like goth girl oh, yeah. whatever line of like wrists are for girls I'm slitting my throat yeah, she's
0: she's too much of a badass to do what everyone
1: else does it's too easy I'm going out fucking hard cutting my fucking head off I just feel like it's yeah. an iconic line that I can quote any time in life that I'm like fucking annoyed. Mm. Where I'm just like, oh, God, I want to end it. That's fair. And I'm just going to be like, you know, rest of her girls, I'm slitting <laughs> my fucking throat.
0: It's also very telling early on of what kind of character she is and how like intense they are.
1: You know, it kind of like sets the scene really very quickly for you. And she's clearly more intense than Bridget because even yeah. following that moment, like when she's talking about killing themselves and the pact that they have, you know, out by 16 or dead in the scene but together forever. um Bridget is kind of, like, you know, we're not, like, kind of, like, says, I can't remember exactly what she says, but it kind of, like, ensues, like, it feels like Bridget's, like, we're not actually going to kill ourselves. And Ginger's the one that's, like, we made a promise. Like, we're going to be together forever. Which then obviously comes up later when it's, like, Ginger is changing and Bridget is not. And she's, like, you have to change with me. You can't leave me. Mm -hmm. Like, we have to be together forever. Great line. Great choice. What's your favorite line? Uh,
0: I had two, just in case you chose one of them. And also because I... Wasn't tr- I like them for different reasons. So I'm gonna say both of them. Uh-huh. Um, my first one is I just I liked it because it, <laughs> I feel like such a fucking like old woman when she said it. I went I like in my brain like it did snaps and I was like yes bitch tell her um, of oh, God. Which is the scene when they are buying tampons and Bridget says Are you sure it's just cramps? And Ginger goes Just so you know, the words just and cramps don't go together. And oh was, iconic and i was like fucking tell them teach the people that cramps are fucking awful teach them oh my god De- fucking debilitating yeah so i was like oh educational and funny i love it um and my second line was right after the kill. trina um ginger is like above her body just like looking down on her and she asks bridget if she thinks she's pretty and it's just the delivery of the line that i love so much where bridget like takes a beat and then goes if i wasn't here would you eat her and I just think it's so funny. I think it's, like, one of Bridget's funnier
1: lines because it's – Oh, like, yeah, because it's, like, this, this disgust of, like, oh, yeah. my God. And then, like, of course, like, Ginger's, like, no. That'd be, like, fucking her. Yeah,
0: it's so funny. It's such it's so good. So those, I think above all of them, those are the two that, like, stand out and make me chuckle and go, yeah. But – No, no,
1: great line. I mean, it's a great, great screenplay, lines. so you really can't go wrong with whatever you pick. My next question – for you or for the for the group that is us um is um if you were in this movie um who would be your partner partner in crime best friend lover whatever you want to interpret that as
0: it's so tough because i feel like with every answer i've had there there's two people that like come to my mind and i feel like if i was doing it like if i were in it at this age I love the drug dealer boy because he's cute. He has weed, and <laughs> uh, I love him. But uh-huh. but realistically, um, I would say ginger because, I mean, I've always been. I always have had like at least one very very close female friend. Like I'm I'm very much someone who like loves to have best friends, and mm-hmm. you know I've I've made so many close friendships over the years that like even like friends from college who I haven't like seen in like years I still consider some of my best friends because our connection is so strong and deep and like close and I feel like Ginger could be someone that I would have that connection with and I think a part of it also is because I think that Catherine Isabel looks a lot like one of my best friends from college Kelsey who is beautiful and she's gonna be my wedding um and I feel like I I just always like I see Kelsey in her in a lot of ways. So I'm, like, drawn to her because I have that, like, personal friendship in real life. So I think Ginger would be my girl. I think I would help her in her transition. I could handle her mood swings. And we'd, I would be the Bridget to
1: her Ginger, but hopefully a little bit less shabby. Mm. You know? Okay. Yeah. What about you? I think I would – my partner would be the drug dealer – The hottie, his name is Sam. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm attracted to him, because I'm I'm really not. Although, like, kind of as the movie goes on, you like him more. So, like, when you like someone's personality, they become more attractive. But I'm really not attracted to him. I think it would be because I see myself as if I'm thinking about my sister dynamic with real life. My sister Bridget Mm -hmm. in the movie, Bridget would be Ginger, I think, and I would be Bridget, right? And thus, in an attempt to desperately save her he would be my partner because I would have to partner up with him because he's the only one that kind of like buys into the werewolf shit and mm-hmm. like knows how to like do this like mixing of the drugs and whatever and like kind of knows what he's doing. And I would be so fucking scared and like anxious that I would just like need somebody in general to do this with me and need their support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a stranger to having a boy have a crush on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That was a joke, you guys. <laughs> uh, that was a full joke. Um, but yeah, I think I would pick the drug dealer, yeah. Sam, as I mean, my partner in crime.
0: I think that's a great choice. Yeah. I love him. Um, okay, so let's see. Next question Anya. Yes. There, if you were in this film, if you were one of these characters, do you think that you would survive by the end of the runtime? Oh, jeez that's a really You say it like like we don't do the same questions every episode. Like, I know, but I I absolutely mean, really do not think
1: about them until we get to them. Okay, fair. Because I have so many thoughts that we have to cover that if I was trying to fucking pre answer this, right. I would just be thinking about my answers the whole episode. Fair. And then I would not be able to talk about anything. Um I like to go and do it fresh. I like to pretend no, that you're asking it. me on the spot. Um, I love it. Um, um it's a it is a hard question though, because it is. especially with as this. As I said, film. like I definitely feel like a Bridget in the scenario. Mm-hmm. But then the question is like, in this scenario though, would I be the one that gets the werewolf bite? Mm-hmm. I think I'll just answer it as if who I feel, which I think I would be a Bridget in this. Um I feel like honestly, my fate would be very similar. I think I would so I think I would survive in the sense of making it to the end, but I would probably end very tragically. I think I would because of my my love for my sister and like would do anything to save her whatever it cost me i would let her bite me scratch me whatever if that's what it took because in the movie that's what happens like to get ginger to go with her she has to let ginger give her the the curse that is the werewolf Mm -hmm. curse um so i think it would go very similarly where i might survive till the end but it might come at the cost of me being human and uh maybe tragically at the cost of my now werewolf sister's life Mm -hmm. um which would then make me probably want to kill myself so um i would say yes but like barely barely and it would not even be worth it to survive amazing what about you
0: i feel somewhat similarly because i think it's very interesting that we both kind of put ourselves as the bridget character but for different reasons Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really interesting, so I think in that same vein, because I would see myself as that role, i you know I agree that because I would be so dedicated to ginger and trying to help ginger, that probably my downfall would be this a same kind of trajectory where like I get infected as well. But mm-hmm. I think the difference between me and you is that if I were infected with and I'm gonna become a lycanthrope. But she, my sister has died. And it's something that I think about with the film. I would just give myself the antidote because they've established... Doesn't she use it already? I mean, they've established that like, she knows how to make it. And she's, yeah. she's used it on Jason, who has then shown that it worked. And then at the end, when my sister's dead, I would just then simply make more. And I would inject myself with it because I don't want to become a werewolf. And as much as I love my sister i'm not going personally i'm not going to die just because she died i'm going to continue to live my life for the both of us so i think that i would have a similar fate but then i would
1: take fate into my own hands and just simply make more potion i mean yeah i think in the movie it's the whole tragedy It's like even if that's the case like oh in theory afterwards because we haven't watched the sequels i haven't so yeah i don't really know um i know i'm not sure ginger's in
0: the sequel so i don't understand
1: I think she's a ghost in the second one. Oh, it's Halloween 2, Rob Zombie in it. I yeah. I mean, I don't know. No one quote me. We haven't watched them yet, and I'm. There's a good chance we might watch them for this pod. So, um, but anyways, um, I think yeah, it's just more so the devastation of like not only now this is, she was so close to she's gonna mm-hmm. have to live without. But then like obviously the fucking trauma of like the way she died was becoming a fucking werewolf and like wreaking havoc on all these people and she also killed the fucking drug dealer moments before in a horrible bloody way and like made fucking bridget have to drink the blood like right. all this fucking shit so it's like honestly it's one of those things where it's like i thinking about it more it's like i i don't know that i would kill myself just because my sister was dead because like i, I don't know but at the same time it's like just living i mean i don't have this experience so i w- would never know unless i was unfortunate enough to have it happen to me mm-hmm. um But I have to imagine like the trauma of all of that. Like beyond just like having, you know, a loved one die like that. But like because they're a fucking werewolf. Like how do you recover from that? Like I feel like if I went on living I would have to just be like in a hospital or some shit for the rest of my life. Hmm. So yeah, I
0: feel like, I mean I have dealt with loss. Like very serious like family loss. And so I think because I know that I have like gone through horrible times and overcome it and like had you know I've been able to like get back on track with my life I know that I could do that in this situation and like even more so seeing what my sister went through and how awful her end was that would be even more reason for me to like want to reverse it for myself so that I don't have to experience the pain that she experienced and kind of like do what I should have done for her like I feel like I would I would make it my, like, life's purpose to, like, live my life in, like, memory of her. That's, that's just, like, personally how I would do it. We're so different. I love it. You would be in a fucking mental institute and I would be thriving. Jesus <laughs> Amazing.
1: Christ. Amazing. Good answer. Um, <laughs> final question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could change this movie mm-hmm. in one way, what would it be? So I think everyone would think that
0: my answer would be less dog deaths but uh-huh. like you said, they are done for a purpose. And because they do look really fake, it doesn't bother me. Um, I think my biggest issue with this movie in general is just its runtime. Um, for me, it's a little lengthy. It's almost, yeah. it's almost two hours. And I mean, in general, for any horror movie, I'm like, I feel like an hour 40 is like that sweet spot. If you're like a movie that has like a, like a real strong message, otherwise like an hour and a half um and I fi- I just find that the third act really really drags on I feel like there are multiple fake endings of like okay we're in this sequence now and this is where like the big final scene is going to happen but then we move to a new location and we're like okay well now this is where it's going to happen and it just feels a little bit too long for me it kind of like loses momentum in the last like 15-20 tw- minutes in my opinion so I think if they had just you know cut back a little bit and maybe ended it 15 minutes earlier I think it would be like such an incredible like tight film but for me mm-hmm. it just goes on a little bit
1: too long yeah that's, that's what i would change if i had to change something the wig i mean oh the wig is so bad <laughs> um but seriously um i don't know i think it's like maybe i would make ginger and bridget less of outcasts mm-hmm. i don't want to say that that doesn't work in the film now but I think, like, personally, if I was making this film today or watching a remake where everything was the same but this was different, I think I would appreciate, once again, it's just, like, me being selfish and me being, like, I want to see it represent more of my experience. Um, because I was not, like, a really, really heavily emo, goth, whatever the hell we want to call them, outcast. That part of their experience isn't true to me. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't really, like, bullied or, like, at odds with popular girls or whatever in the way that they were. Um, I think if they were just, like, kind of, like, maybe just, like, average, like, weren't, you know, outcast freaks, but also weren't the crazy popular whatever girls, you know, just your average girl, Mm -hmm. but also in the same vein, I say that, but, like, that's also what a lot of horror movies do already. They make the characters your average Joe, yeah, your average social hierarchy landing, because that's most relatable. So this is unique in the way that it's like, oh, we're giving you these two girls that are outcasts who are obsessed with death. Mm-hmm. And obviously if they weren't that way, then we wouldn't get the iconic, you know, snapshot openings. Right. It would change a lot of the film. It would change a lot. Um, maybe then I would say... I love um, how you were like,
0: this is what I would change, and now I'm talking myself into saying never mind. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like at the end of the day, like the movie works as it is. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't actively sit here and be like, this should be different, this should be different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe I think more werewolf deaths. It yeah. doesn't have to be her fully transforming, but like, I think I want this to be in the way that Jennifer's body is like her eating boys. I feel like I want more of that. Yeah, I want I agree. more because we only get one. She doesn't even really kill him. She like ends up transforming him um, because she doesn't finish the job because it's, like, her first time, Mm -hmm. which is literally symbolic of also her first time having sex. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would have more of her, like, kind of an agenda. And maybe it's me just, like, thinking about Jennifer's body too much. Um, (laughs) you know, using this new transformation this time to, like, lure boys in and then devour them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I feel like I could use definitely –
0: think of the 15 minutes that they used of, like, Bridget and, um – whatever the boy's name is like running Sam. Sam running around trying to like get the potion and like get it into her body and instead of all of that they just like showed me more ginger seducing and killing
1: people yeah I'm into that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for sure because like that like to me like empowers me watching it. yeah absolutely like Jennifer's body is like an empowering movie to me like when I'm feeling down about myself I like literally will watch that movie and like feel so much better it's a great film
0: Ooh. Um. Yeah, well, that has been Ginger Snaps. I think if you haven't seen it, I don't know. We have to
1: give our rating. Oh, you're right, you're right. What is your rating? So, my rating, I I think I have to give this, oh, God. You give yours first, actually. Okay.
0: Um. I give this four stars, Boy Next Door, because it is, you know, iconic feminist horror, and it's... Unlike anything else I've seen, and I really appreciate so much. I mean, everything that we talked about. I just think it's a very, very good film. Four stars. It's not a perfect movie, but it's no. much better than most werewolf movies, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I feel free to disagree gonna, with me if you want. No, no, no. I think I'm going to give it um, between a dumb jock and a boy next door, so like a yeah, himbo, like a Um a himbo. You know I love a himbo, babe. Mm-hmm. Um, but because kind of what you're saying, like, it is iconic, as clearly I've expressed very much in this episode, like, I love so much of the messaging in it and the ideas behind it. It's a movie where it's like, this is a horror movie that, like, I would be really excited to see get remade if it was in the right hands. Um, because I think that, you know, there's definitely parts of it that, like, scream I was made in the year 2000. Yeah. Um, and not in a great way. Um so i think that there's a lot of room for improvement i would still want the practical effects and everything like that but like yeah not a perfect movie but a good movie a movie i think we both definitely recommend um yeah absolutely so those those are my feelings amazing i recommend ginger snaps i blindly
0: will recommend the sequels even though i haven't seen them just because it's i feel like like they're probably not as good at all probably not but like you, we're both completionists if we've seen one movie in a series we're going to watch all of them so yes. I, I recommend that for everybody else and i hope that you have enjoyed our new format please give us some feedback you can email us at girls who cried be at gmail.com or you can dm us on instagram or on twitter you can also feel free to give us your cue and slay answers we would love to hear from you see what you think oh
1: yeah please interact with us we are bored and we love you. We do. We literally, as I we say in our closing, if you show us love, we'll give you a piece of our soul, like a fucking horcrux. <laughs> Anytime
0: someone comments on anything or says it gives me any feedback, I am like salivating
1: about it. I know. I'm just like so. Um, do you want a vial of my blood? Like, what do you want? You can have anything.
0: <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining that. Join. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you for joining us for our November episode. And you have anything
1: else you want to add? No, just as always, uh, keep it creepy. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for
0: another episode of the Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We want, as always, to thank those who've helped us get here. Without them, we would just be screaming about horror to each other instead of in a podcast form. So first, a big thank you to Bridget Garrity for creating our amazing artwork that we love. Please feel free to follow her and check out all of her other artwork on her Instagram at Bridget underscore Elizabeth XO support her. We love her literally Anya's sister. Um, Mm -hmm. A huge thank you also to Nathan Graham, who is our musically talented friend and created our intro music. Please support him on his Instagram at official blue caprice and check out all of his original music on Spotify and lastly, thank you to my guy, Greg Vellante, for editing all of our episodes every month so we don't sound too stupid. Uh, feel free to check him out on Twitter at VellanteViews. Views. Mm-hmm. And if you are so inclined and you, for some reason, like me, and you want to follow me on social media, I don't post very often. I am much more of a lurker, but please feel free uh, if you want to check out an occasional photo of my cats. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Branley.
1: And if you'd like to follow me on social media, please do. I love any form of validation. My Twitter is at agarrity15. My Instagram is at G-E-E-W-A-Y, the number four, and then ever. So that's G-Way forever. And if you want to keep up with everything I'm watching, you can follow me on Letterboxd, at agarrity15. Or you can just search my name, and I should be the only Anya Garrity that pops up. Uh, I give my hot takes on a lot of horror movies there, as well as non-horror cinema as well. And if you just can't bear the thought of social media accounts that don't have both of our presence, fear not. You can follow the Girls Who Cried Be Horror on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, and Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH. You can also email us all your thoughts, opinions, and darkest secrets at thegirls who cried be Horror at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Leaving written reviews really helps us out and helps the podcast out a lot, and it only takes a minute. So please do us this kindness, and in return, you will own a piece of our souls forever. <laughs> You'll become a horcrux. So thank you so much, y'all, and until next time, keep it creepy. <laughs> the girls who
0: cried be horror